Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor Ligura. Marler has stopped listening to Avril, Avril Levine so he could talk some week two SEC action. Thank you for doing that's that. That's how we're going to start, we're gonna start the, the show like that. You're going to tell everyone what I was doing? The onion. A little peel behind the onion here. I was asking Marler 10 minutes before we came on if he could put the fourth and wrong questions in there. Didn't want to have to wing it like I always <laughs> do every single freaking time. And Marler said, no, I'm listening to Avril Levine right now. Sorry for being honest with you. I mean, geez. Um, she just first gets off, you, doesn't she? No, so we got... I, I, we got into some thing conversation with me and Will, our producer, about how his girlfriend took a glamour shot that looked just like Avril Lavigne, and I couldn't stop laughing. And then I was like, you know what? Did a little deep dive on this Avril Lavigne, and then I did. She's and a then, punk. Uh, she gets it. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know if all that's true, but anybody that marries the guy from Nickelback isn't like somebody that gets it. Obviously. Really? They did? I had no idea. Yes, they're both from Canada. It's one of the okay. reasons I hate. I mean, honestly. I'm not gonna get political here, but we need to build a we need to build a wall up there too. You can't be can't be just because this. of couples like that. <laughs> just because of, right. mainly because of Nickelback and Justin Bieber. But anyway, moving on. On that fine note, go figure that Nickelback and Justin Bieber had, and Avril Lavigne all had references on this pod before SEC teams. Yeah, very. We good have point. a ton to get to. We have so so much to get to. Week two is here. We've got an interview that we recorded earlier with our good buddy Jacob Hester. Previews the LSU Texas showdown. We've also got a little winning and boozing, making it little pro- winning and boozing return. That's going to be great. That's going to be right after the Hester interview. We've got some picks. We've got some week two over unders. We've got some Texas A and M, the Texas A and M Clemson talk that we're going to get to. Uh, even a little bit of your boy Ryan Helsinki. Ryan Holinsky, we know his actual name. Helsinki! We're going to talk about that as well. Before we do all of that, have to tell you about our friends over at Ticket IQ. Ticket IQ offers low price guarantees on all college football tickets, which means that you get 200% off the price difference if you find the same ticket for less. 200%. Ticket IQ shoppers save an average of 20% off of StubHub and Vivid Seats. Download their app in the App Store or Google Play and use code SDS20 for $20 off your first purchase of at least $75 to save even more. That's SDS20. Save 20 bucks off your first purchase. All right, Marler, big, big news of the week. Jake Bentley out for at least six weeks with a broken foot, probably looking at half the season at the very, very least. And now what that means, Ryan Helinski, the true freshman, the blue chip recruit, is now QB1 for South Carolina. You you made the Tanya Harding joke. Um, how I was about to do it re- again. Damn it, Connor. Um, okay, I mean, yeah, I, I want to know. I want I want to have a Harvey Updike moment here. I want one of you guys to call in, be honest about it, and tell us who did it. We'd like to know. We'd all like to know. Uh, we wish the best for Jake Bentley. Don't don't get me wrong, but after the way that some some people were kind of responding to to the Week One show against UNC, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. It might mean no. too much, a little bit, a little bit. I would agree. With um, that. Yeah, but Jake Bentley, we'll, we'll first hit on him. Um, just a, a bummer for a kid that's you know meant a lot to that program the last couple of years. Somebody that we've obviously been very critical of. We were very critical of his Week One performance as well. Um, but now his future is very much up in the air, I think. Um, I think that this is Bentley's last game at South Carolina. He does have the redshirt available, potentially. If he were to take a redshirt this year, he could either trans- he could transfer as a, as a grad transfer. To Ryan, North uh, Carolina. That'd be fascinating Conspiracy to theory. Watch. Um, oh, oh, that's interesting. 
you don't want to dig into that or no because i made it up and it's not real but i mean it just yeah it's i don't know if it's his last game there but it's a weird thing because it's a good point that you bring up like i feel like if this happened somewhere like if kelly bryant got injured at mizzou well i don't know that's probably a bad example too I'm trying to think. Like maybe Joe Burrow would be a good one if he got injured first game. He would probably come back for his next year. He'd get a medical redshirt. Right. Yeah, he'd be able to. He's a high-profile guy. That wouldn't be any issue whatsoever. Even though he's already used his redshirt season, yeah. Obviously at, at Ohio State, but he would still have that on the table. You're saying that he yeah. wouldn't win the starting job back, and what I said was exactly uh, completely illogical and made no sense. So I didn't. It didn't help out the conversation. I just, I just I award you no points. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry I weighed in at all. That is my fault, guys. <laughs> um, no, I mean, um, it's weird, though, because Helinski is one of those guys where, it, with this fan base that is so thirsty for winning, and that sounds derogatory, but it's not, it, it's, it's, it's a fan base that is really, really wanting. You, you felt like this was going to be the year they, they had the most talented and must champ team that they've had in, in, like since he's been there. They had, they had not necessarily more opportunities, but this was going to be the year you saw the improvement. And, you know, there's a long season ahead of us, so I don't know what can happen. But like you said on Saturday, there's seven more games on the schedule that should be more difficult than that North Carolina game. And you're already 0-1, so it's tough to see. Um, but it is, you know, either way, it's, it's cool to have Ryan Helensky start his, his career. I love how you have gotten so used to saying Helsinki that it's tough for you to say. It is. Every, I pause every it's time. So <laughs> and, you know, that's what I like about, checks notes, Ryan Zelensky. Uh, um, no, I know. Um, but the thing with the thing with Bentley that I kept coming back to is he is what he is at this point in his career. I just didn't think he was going to get much better. I was really low on him coming into the season. I didn't yeah. think he was necessarily a top six, top seven quarterback in the SEC just because we've already seen it. And if you can't make those reads at this point of your career, to me, that just kind of says you are what you are. And yeah. South Carolina's ceiling was different with Jake Bentley than it is with Ryan Helinski. And that's yeah. not to say that it's automatically higher. Even but lower. It's a bit it's a I'm bit kidding. more unknown. It is a bit more unknown in that he might be able to do some things that Jake Bentley couldn't. And some of the decision-making, that might be better on the end of Ryan Helinski. Here's somebody that we've heard about a lot throughout the recruiting process, somebody that has the physical and mental makeup to thrive yeah. in this role. Go figure that Ryan Helinski and Bo Nix are both QB1 by week two. One by injury and one by winning a battle yeah. in camp. But how crazy is that? If we had thought that you know a month, a month and a half ago... You would have been a little bit higher on that, obviously, because you're a great Bo Nix prediction, of course. But oh man, this couldn't work still, out better amazing. either. Well, and uh, you know, and, and while we're on the subject, real quick, and let me let me just again pat myself on the back. I did have one of our listeners, one of my good buddies, Aaron Clark, text me on the way up to his lake house. He goes, "Listen to the podcast. I'm 30 minutes in, which is uh, equivalent to roughly your sixth pat on the back about the Bo Nix comment." And they all yeah, game, and I was like, "Yeah, that's about right." Um, no, the, the Helensky thing, it's, I think it's human nature to kind of be like, you always, the grass is always greener, that, that whole mindset. And especially with South Carolina, when you're in a place where, you know, like Bama fans are talking about, like, you know, does Mac, does the backup quarterback, Mac, does he, does he beat out Tua this year? Like, that's an asinine, dumb comment to me. <laughs> but if you're, if you're a South Carolina fan and you've, you've kind of been swimming in this pool of mediocrity for a while with Jake Bentley, it is, it is natural to kind of think, like, I wonder what, what the, it would look like with Helensky, because... I'm not. This is not a slight, but like, if seven and five and six and six, does that change necessarily? Does the, does the quarterback change? Quarterback play necessarily have that much of a negative effect if you make the jump to having a freshman quarterback start over Jake Bentley? Because we've seen how inconsistent Bentley can be. And you know, to pat myself on the back to close out this whole thing, 
all the people that said we were dumb for for putting Bentley so so far down in these quarterback rankings in the offseason, our our email address is c marler etc on south will accept we'll accept your apologies whatever we already did we already did that one time yeah, we'll go the mode anyway but no that's i mean and no. it's just i think there's a lot i think there's a lot like i don't know how high the ceiling is like you said but i think i think it's an exciting thing to like kind of throw this kid in the fire and 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 you know like honestly what they need more than anything in south carolina is you you got to plug the 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 leak at some point and, and when i say leak i don't mean like the bad play but the negative like mindset around the the the, the university and the team and with the fans and players like Brian Edwards was visibly upset several times this weekend from like missed missed throws. At some yep. point, you got to plug the leak, you got to rally around each other, and you got to you got to support not only this kid but all like you know each other. And 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 maybe this is the this is what will do that. It has completely changed the the discussion about South Carolina, where uh, over the weekend fans are talking about Will Muschamp's buyout, and I've completely lost faith in him, right. and, and all of a sudden you're, you're turning. Champ. All of a sudden, you're turning now to to this true freshman quarterback, and the the season narrative and the way that we're going to discuss this team is different just because of that element. So, South Carolina is hoping to to get a nice week uh, first uh, debut showing from Ryan Halinski yeah. as the starter. Um, obviously, uh, the the expectations for him are very high. And expectations, I, real quick. Go ahead. I want to say two things. I talked to a bunch of South Carolina fans yesterday, and without giving too much away. Um, but we can, you know, I'll be I'll be up in in Columbia in two weeks. We'll be having a little. We're gonna be on a cockaboose, uh, having a little bit of a, a tailgate. Not all the Boom. details are finalized. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So I hope to see you all there. But it was funny because I was talking to a South Carolina fan yesterday, and Amy Powell is one of my good friends, and she goes, "I'm just so excited for Helensky." And I said, "Why is that, Amy?" And she goes, "It's just this is what we need as South Carolina fans. We need to go out there. We're playing." They put, she goes, we're playing Charleston this week. We need to get a solid 12-point victory so we can get that, <laughs> that swagger back and just be like, you know, now we have a chance to beat Bama because you know that's what we're going to start saying. And I was like, yeah, you guys definitely will say that. So Nothing says swagger like a 12-point victory <laughs> yeah, for Charleston. Charleston. <laughs> that's what I always say. Um, A&M Clemson is one of two marquee non-conference games in the SEC this week. A&M last year, of course, had that great showing against Clemson early on. It was kind of the beginning of this uh, this belief that Jimbo Fisher really was taking this program in a different direction. Uh, just such a strange way that that game ended where a and fans yeah. were clapping for the Aggies as they were walking pylon off the cam. field after a loss. Yeah, pylon cam. Yeah, that fumble. Jeez, man, I forgot about that. That's Never crazy. seen a, a fan hear. base rally around a loss quite like I did with A&M. And, that comes to, and but honestly, it, with good reason. Yeah, with absolutely with good reason with the way that Clemson season played out. Of course, at the time last year, they're operating the two-quarterback system just a little bit different. That Clemson offense really took off after the announcement that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the starter moving forward. Having said that, A&M should still be confident going into this game. And I think that you know we're kind of seeing that with, with on the Aggie side of this, this is just such a huge game for Kellen Mond, and I think the more and more we talk about this game throughout the week, the more people are kind of realizing that. Last year, of course, had that awesome 400-yard passing game yeah. against Clemson, against that really good defense. Did so many things well really good in defensive that game. Line. Yeah, and that defensive line, to be able to stare them down and yeah. some of those throws that he was making was just absolutely big time. 
Um, but this is just such a money game for him this year. Nobody's really talking about Kellen Mond in this like NFL draft discussion, even though he's a guy who is capable of doing a lot of really yeah. good things in all facets and being kind of this modern quarterback who can operate under a variety in a variety of systems. And if he goes and doubles down and does what he did last year against Clemson, does that in Death Valley with how well they've played in the last year where they've only allowed more than 26 points once since that game last year, and that was against South Carolina. If he does that again, we're going to be talking about Kellen Mond a little bit differently Sunday morning. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I'm excited for this because, you know, you saw a lot of line movement. We'll get to that in a second, but, you know, we saw a lot of line movement. And, I mean, it was two weeks ago when LSU and Texas, Texas was, you know, moved all the way in favor of Texas, minus one. They're favored by one point. Now, like, LSU's a six-point six point favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that's what we were going to kind of see with A&M and Clemson because I – I, I made the joke about this on, on STS about, you know, two his numbers against that. It wasn't Georgia Tech's defense, but, you know, he looked pretty good. Because Trevor Lawrence, call it what it is. Like, it's not that he's a bad quarterback. He looked average. He looked average in that game against Georgia Tech. And that's a Georgia Tech team that is not any good. They are, I mean, bottom line, they are going to struggle. They might win three, four games tops this year. Not impressed. Not impressed with how they looked, you know, last Thursday night. That being said, I kind of thought that A&M, this line would move a lot in their favor because A&M looked up, you know, dominant as expected, but it did really not. Good. It did not move at all, which is very, uh, very surprising to me. I think this is going to be a really good game. People might forget too. Justin Ross didn't play in this game last year. I mean, that God. T. Higgins was was tremendous. Um, but yeah, so th- this game, you know, it's very easy to look at last year and just say, all right, well. And I'm stuck with them last year, and we can just assume that it'll be a really similar outcome. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that there are a lot of different elements at play going into this. And I think yeah. maybe even Trevor Lawrence, the fact that he's coming off of just kind of a, a disappointing week one showing with having the, the multiple picks in that game. This is going to be an interesting test for, for A&M just to see, you know, in year two of Jimbo Fisher now, are you know are they at this elite level? I feel like A&M is one of those teams that's just – it's hovering right there, and nobody's yeah. really talking about nobody's talking about AM as a playoff contender because obviously the schedule is daunting. It's super daunting. But if you stack up with this Clemson team again for four quarters and you take them down to the wire for sixty minutes in Death Valley, that's going to say a lot about the SEC. And I think that this is such a massive weekend for the conference itself, just because of the way that the that the the non conference has set up to where the SEC is playing in all these marquee non conference games this year. And say what you want about the SEC's non-conference scheduling, but this year is not the year to make the yep. argument that the SEC doesn't play anybody because the right. SEC is involved in all these big headliner games with the exception of, like, Michigan-Notre Dame. But, like, other than that, I mean, it is SEC, really SEC-focused in these games. And with two of them this weekend, all of those week one takes have a potential to be, you know, very quickly forgotten about if the SEC is able to not only pick up a win with LSU and Texas, but if A&M just goes 60 minutes with Clemson, that'll that's, say a lot about where the conference is at. Man, that's such a good point. And I'll tell you what, like, there, one one area that you don't, you, you will never hear, maybe in, until next April when the draft comes around, you will never hear the national media pile on the bandwagon of, well, the SEC's quarterback play has been really stellar. But with all the negative scrutiny, I think that like that SEC quarterbacks get because of there's not been a, a lot of success from you know whether it's just the draft or playing like in the NFL in general. Um, like Eli Manning is the poster boy for us, which is that's something. Jared Siddham, 
Jared Sidham's going to be the next Tom Brady. Just, just that, saying. That could be thing. out there. But you just imagine if Jake Fromm, if if Kellen Mond, if Kelly Bryant, if Tua came out, who am I missing? If Even if Felipe came out and went out and went 13 of 23 for 168 yards against one of the worst defenses in the country for one touchdown and two interceptions. Imagine what the national media would say. Imagine what Fox Fox's morning show would say about about NFL or about the SEC. <laughs> it would be a joke. Yeah. yeah, imagine what just there's a couple people. I'm not going to mention by name right now because I have their pictures on my wall with darts. It's fine. Um, no, but like it, it's imagine what they would say about the SEC and quarterback play and the scrutiny they would be under if they had those average numbers, especially after the offseason of saying he's possibly the greatest quarterback in college football history as a freshman. I'm fired up. How, Bring in I the sirens. You, you didn't even say Trevor Lawrence's name in that. No, rant. and I never will because he was in Hanson. That's the peak <laughs> of his whole career. I don't care what he did last January. This is uh, just a really interesting game, though, for, for, a, lot of, for a lot of those reasons. And, and Trevor Lawrence, if he is going through this, this period in his career where it's the old, like, all right, there's finally a book on him. Here's how teams are going to, to attack him. And, and, and is he a little bit of you know, that, that downturn, kind of like what, what Tua went through at the end of last year, yeah. where it's not to say it's a downturn forever, but you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's a little bit easier for, game, for defenses to have an entire offseason to game plan for you. Will Mike Elko be able to draw up the right kind of game plan against Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. But Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins, that coaching staff did a great job of doing yeah. that week one, and they deserve all the credit for it. We'll wait and see, you know, greatest quarterback of all time, Urban Meyer, which he's since walked back. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Yeah, well, it wasn't just Urban Meyer that said it either, but, uh, yeah, I, I just – I'm excited for it. I, I would I would love A&M to win this game. I would love it. And, and you know Palmer. how I feel about Clemson. You know how I feel about Clemson. Oh, that was – by the way, that was my – I, I we've we've told we we've said that my southern accent imitation is going away and it's really more of an imitation of you by the way I don't oh, mean to offend anybody better. by saying that um, but I, so if it slips I apologize but I'm I'm trying to quit cold turkey so I'll do my best I wish you'd shut up anyway um, I mean, <laughs> uh, no I mean it just it's it's it it's frustrating I've lost my train of thought oh no you know how much I love Clemson and going to those games there and all that kind of stuff. But this this past off season has changed most of that, and I I would I it would be I, I think there's two possible victories here for the SEC or at least what I'm going to count as victories, and that is like you said, A and M I would love A and M to win this game. Seventeen and a half points is a lot of points, but I would love for them to win this game. But if watching if Mon can go out there and outperform him, she you can say Trevor Lawrence. I'm not name. going to you can say his name. I'm not going to if he goes out there and, and outperforms him. And, and and has a stellar day in Death Valley. That would that's a win. That's a win for me emotionally. Let's get to some picks and some over unders. Yeah, we got a lot of games to get to. We've got what 10, 10 games to do picks and over unders for. First one, you just mentioned him before, uh, Kelly Bryant. Say his name, Bryant. Connor. <laughs> Kelly <laughs> Bryant. He is trying to win his home debut at Mizzou. West Virginia is traveling to Columbia. The spread on that one is Mizzou minus 14. That's that's amazing in itself, considering what we saw from Mizzou last week, the struggles defending the run against the Mountain West team that went 6-6 six and six last year. Not great, Bob. Do you want to do picks or over-unders first? Let's do them both at the same time, because last week I didn't like the cadence. Okay. All right, so let's do we'll do we'll do picks. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get to the over under after we we make a pick on this game. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take West Virginia plus fourteen just because the issues that we saw from Mizzou defending the run would have Oof. me nervous. They had me really really nervous, and I, I get that there were some key things in that game that Mizzou wished it could have had back. 
But I think defensively, the issues that we saw on the front seven are, are very troubling. Losing guys, you know, losing somebody like Therese Hall, and we already mentioned Terry Beckner last week, but I did not realize how big of an issue that would be. And what West Virginia with, with Neil Brown, former Troy coach, all he did was win double-digit games at Troy like the last three yeah. years. Remember, they went into LSU and won that game as well. I, I just think that they'll be able to keep it a little bit closer. So I'll take West Virginia plus 14. I don't know why you're bringing up old... First off, Connor, that Troy game happened when? 2016? 2017. Either way. Uh, a very recent game to look at from this Troy, this Neil Brown team, is that when they went toe-to-toe, wire-to-wire, with JMU last week. So here's the thing. West I was hoping we're going to bring that up. West Virginia, West Virginia was a seven-point favorite. I think it ducked down to six and a half because I told you we were in the press box. I was like on my third Chick-fil-A sandwich. And it said, I was like, I was like, six and a half seemed like a gimme, and they won by seven total points. But that game was tied late, I want to say. Like, it wasn't, I mean, JMU's a good program, but JMU Don't has sleep a new sleep on head, JMU. They have, a, they have a new head coach as well. That, that head coach left, I forgot where he went. But I mean, I, I just, that says something about where the, the state of West Virginia's program, I, you know, they lost Will Greer, and that's the only person I can really bring up besides David Sills off last year's team. Um, Mizzou is eight and two against the spread at home. I think they bounced back in a big way, but I, I tell you what. Mizzou can't they cannot win this game. It's not a sustainable winning formula for this team without Larry Roundtree, the third. You you better get him involved and you better open up some holes because this that that cannot he's too good of a back to to have less than three yards per carry. And y'all's defense? There you go. A lot of noises. (laughs) All right. Over under on Kelly Bryant pass attempts. Keep in mind he threw 48 last week in a game where they were trailing for a lot of in the second half. I set the over under at 29.5. You're so good at this. Um, I'm going to go over because I I just think that that is the bread and butter of Missouri's offense is throwing the football. I think I think you get him. It's like I think 30 is like perfect. I think I think you nailed it on the on the attempts. Um, Watch him throw for like 73 times. But I mean, <laughs> like I, I do think I do think that this is a team that like you 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 have to throw the ball. And Kelly Bryant had a lot of success. He looked good last week throwing the ball, um, at least from a statistical standpoint. But yeah, there, I think you you don't want to venture into that forty range. You do not want to venture into that forty range. No, I think if Kelly Bryant's throwing forty times a game, that's probably not the best sign for your team. But let's just, also be fair. Thought. West Virginia has—they're known for a lot of things: meth, Mountain Dew, a lot of stuff. Whoa. Not defense is not one of them. So there's that. That's true. Yeah, this is true. Um, Vandy, Purdue. Purdue is a seven-point favorite. Another team that is that's at a least joke. a touchdown favorite, coming off a loss on the road against a Mountain West team. That's very specific. I realize that. But Vandy going to Purdue, West Lafayette. Home of my, my my wife lived there for a solid year and a half. I know that's going to make or break your pick. Marler, what do you got? <laughs> um, so no, nobody goes into West Lafayette, Indiana, and comes out unscathed. Especially not Ohio State. Unless you're an unranked SEC football team, because Mizzou did it last year, and they kicked their ass. And, and Vanderbilt, I, I'm not going to go yet with a with an outright victory, but they will cover seven points. And, and listen, Purdue, they choked away a lead last week, and it's, it's always good to get back home and, and kind of regroup and all that kind of stuff. That Nevada game, that was awesome. Nevada. Whatever. Nevada. There you go again. Um, it, that was, I mean, well, I've been saying it like that for 33 years. Um, <laughs> and so, anyway, Nevada goes into West Lafayette 
I, I, I do think that like they will they will circle the wagons and all that kind of stuff, and and, and it's hard to pick against him to win outright. But Vanderbilt is like I'm going to say this out loud. It's going to sound weird. Vanderbilt's not going to go into a road game at Purdue and be intimidated. This is a Vanderbilt team that went to South Bend last year, another flyover part of this entire state, where they <laughs> where they hit on the state went, of Indiana like that. They How went toe to toe with with Notre Dame. So I, you know, I, I I like I like Vandy's chances to cover the spread here. That three headed attack, I'm going to take them to cover. All right, I'm also taking Vandy to cover, and I'm taking Vandy's defense, which looked better than I thought it was going to in week one. Derek Mason, I know, yeah. was encouraged by some of the some of the progress that they were able to make with a really inexperienced defense. This is a Purdue quarterback in Elijah Sindelar who makes mistakes. He made some big-time mistakes in that game last week, and I think that he makes some more in this one. And as much as we've talked about the big three all offseason, this is a game where they can really get going. And I do think, I I would expect there to be a lot of points scored in this game. I think this is going to be a much different showing from Vandy on that side of the ball. So, yeah, give me me Vandy to cover in this one. Um, I I think they cover seven. Still still kind of figuring out what what I want to do in terms of an outright winner on that one. But over under, Rondell Moore and Heisman. How many times will we hear those those words said in the same sentence? I set the over under at 2.5. That's, that's, that's such a good number. I, I'm gonna say over because you know they'll bring it up in pregame. He'll do he'll do something at some point that'll be like an electric 11 yard gain, and and they'll be like, this is this is starting. You start to realize some of the Heisman talk and and you know like why that was warranted, and then at some point they'll bring it up again. I'm gonna say over because okay. you know they'll I, do it at I some point. They'll they'll say another guy who was mentioned in the Heisman, and they'll go into a Keyshawn Vaughn thing. So they'll Ooh, reference him and okay. then move into it. God, I'm good at this game. You're, you're getting very good at this game. I can't slip anything past you. Southern Miss against Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a 17-point favorite in this one. The fighting Joe Moorheads looking to have a, an even better, I, I think, offensive showing than they did last week in the opener against Louisiana. Did some really good things on the road in New Orleans. But 17 points for an MSU team that still figuring some things out on defense. Yeah. Am I talking myself into Southern Miss doing kind of what they did last year against Auburn, going on the road and covering cuz I think I am. Um Yeah, I mean I would. 17 points is a lot. They are going to be home in Starkville. We can be Oh, should I do this? The cowbell. Oh no. No, the podcast viewers cannot take the cowbell. Oh gosh. Um All right. That is our SDS uh cowbell. I'm going to take Oh, man, I mean, Southern Miss is one and seventeen in their last eighteen games against the SEC, and I'm pretty sure that win was against Bama. Um, but <laughs> they are seven and two against the spread, uh, and four and one against the spread in their last five games. Played on a Saturday, Connor, so you know you know what that means. I'm I'm going to take them to cover because seventeen points seems like a little bit much. I wouldn't be surprised though, to see I, like if this was like a, a confidence rating, if this would be like a one and a half for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel great about it, but that, that game, that Auburn game, is just standing out too much in, in my mind. Uh, Brett Favre also, by the way. You know what? Screw it. I'll change it. Mississippi State 6-1. and watch <laughs> That's my first ever game. Mississippi State is 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven home games. I'm going to go with Mississippi State to cover. All right. How about over-under Kylan Hill rushing yards? Almost hit two bills last week. I set the over-under at 149.5. Ooh, that's so good. I'm going to go under because I think they need to get more of the passing game going. Uh, you know what you have in Kylan Hill. You know what you have in Kylan Hill. And also, he's not going to be in this game in the fourth quarter. 
Could be, could be a lot of Gibson yeah. as well in this one. Uh, Kylan Hill is just going to get off to a monster start. He, he's going to he's going to be one of those guys where we look we look at his numbers mid season and maybe he hasn't necessarily had that like dominant game against you know in a big like top twenty five yeah. matchup. But he's going to be one of those guys where like oh week six Kylan Hill is leading the SEC in rushing. Oh Kylan Hill, I'll, I'll go out on a ledge right now. Um, Kylan Hill is going to be this year's Travion Williams. Ooh, yeah. I like that. There you go. I like that a They're lot. They're just words That's I'm really saying, good. but it, you know, it could be it could be real. Good words. Good words. All right. New Mexico State, Bama. Bama this is, is so a fifty five point favorite. There's no way that Bama covers a fifty five point spread, right? You do this right now. Um first off, I, I know we said we weren't gonna do this because it's like doesn't matter how but it's up to fifty six and a half, which in oh other God. in other way like in other ones this wouldn't matter as much. I just felt like I had to throw oh it in there because that's like that's a just don't have a line. Don't have a line in this game. <laughs> I, I think I saw somewhere where like in like the non con regular season games, I think Bama put up like sixty or I don't know. It was some ridiculous number. I'm <laughs> this sucks. I think that's so many points. That's eight touchdowns, Connor. I can't. I can't do that. I Here's, just can't I just, quite get the to land that of point. enchantment. There's not a lot of things that have ever come out of like good things that ever come out of New Mexico. But hell, it's better than old Mexico. Am I right, brother? I'll take. I'll take the Aggies to cover. That's big of you to take 55 point or 56 and a half. I don't points. mean. I don't know anything about New Mexico. I just. I just. Yeah. I don't. Thank you. I'm really going out of ledge here. I um. I don't know anything about new like New Mexico except for that like the those donkey shows aren't allowed like old Mexico. Boom. Moving on. Here's what you need to know. Breaking Bad, uh, Green Chilies. Love me some Chili Verde. Yeah. That, that is, that's the stuff right there. That's um, the that, stuff. That's, that's, those are the two big things that you need to know. Yeah, I am also going to take 55 points um, when it's yeah. 56 and a half, whatever it is, and that's not a knock on Bama. I'm yeah. not going to break that down anymore. Um, all right, over-under New Mexico State points. I set the over-under at 6.5. Listen, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a Nick Saban team score 70. Have they ever scored 70? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think they have. And so here's here's what I'm thinking. I would love I would love it if if they put up like 63. Okay, 69. I well I didn't want to say that because there's no way New Mexico State's covering the spread if they put up 69 points. But point. yeah, but what I would say is this: this is this is like that that game that Bear was talking about a couple weeks ago. I remember being at Jeff Colby's house watching that game, and I had like I put money on Western Kentucky to not lose by however much like 38 and a half or Kent State. And they scored a touchdown with like a minute and twenty seconds ago, and I and I cheered for the other team. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is exactly what's going to happen. They will score like a, a late rushing touchdown after like a bad muff punt or something stupid by Bama's third third string. They'll, they'll, I don't know. It'll be like a make a wish thing, and somebody will go out there and and and, and like field punts because this game's going to be out of reach at halftime. Fifty-five to three, Bama wins this one. Ooh, there I like we go. that. Okay, there you go. Yeah. The, so I'll take the under on those New Mexico State oh, points. This, all right, this game. This one is this one is fascinating. BYU Tennessee. Tennessee is a three point favorite. BYU lost Week One against Utah. I am struggling mightily with this one. I have gone back and forth. I cannot. Every time I tell myself, "Oh, there's no <laughs> way Tennessee shows up as bad as they did last week," I think about how bad they were at the line of scrimmage, and I think to myself, "Can they really stack up against a, a BYU team that's going to be even better than Georgia State?" I just e- don't think about. Know. No, hold on. Say that sentence uh, again. Can they stack up with a BYU team that's even better than Georgia State? What a world we live in. I just don't know. You know, BYU has like a, a you know a quarterback who's twenty six, and it's just going to go so, in there. And... That's 
<laughs> That's such a good point, but he's like 19. He's a freshman. Oh, okay. he's, he's, he's like a true freshman. He'll get injured and like a 26-year-old will come into the yeah. game or something like that. And yeah. you know how that always works with BYU. His like but... Bryce or something with an I and a Y for no reason. I'm going to, reluctantly, reluctantly, I'm going to say there's no way, there's no way Tennessee drops both of those first two games at home. And that's essentially, if, if I'm picking BYU to cover, um, you know, I, I guess you could pick, predict a, a Tennessee one-point win or a two-point win or something like that. But I'm going to take Tennessee to cover just because I think that they learned from what they went through last week. It was the ultimate don't overlook your opponent type game. And if they're overlooking BYU going into this one, just mail it in for the rest of the season. Forget about it. Do you? Do you ever? Have you ever seen Friday? The first or second next Friday or the original what did, Friday? What did I say? I said Friday. Yeah, but okay, but that, that can get confusing if you're talking about one of the sequels, something like that. Yes, I've seen Friday. Okay, good. That's surprising. Uh, it's, it's even more surprising if you've seen next Debo. Friday. Debo. Yeah. So you remember the just the fear of God that went into. Uh, Ice Cube and why am I blanking on the name right Chris, now? And, Chris and Tucker, Chris Tucker's character, Smokey, and uh, when <laughs> Craig and Smokey out on the porch, and and you just hear that squeaky squeaky wheel coming up yep. the street, and it's yep. Debo on that bicycle. Exactly. This I all I can think of. That. All, all I can think of at this is <laughs> is a Mormon and a that stupid uniform with the white button down, short sleeve, white shirt shirt, and the black tie and the bike helmet just coming up the drive. And just that squeaky wheel being like, we'd like to talk to you about the Church of Latter-day Saints. That's the same kind of fear Tennessee has of this game. This can't happen. Like, this can't happen. <laughs> and 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 I don't I don't want to pick BYU, but it's hard not to. Like, it, it's because of how, like, Tennessee last week, there were several plays. That last touchdown Georgia State scored where Tennessee managed to not tackle the quarterback, but tackle each other multiple times. Do. Multiple really times. I mean, you're both wearing orange. Like that's. Have you ever been hunting? D- don't go together. Because I mean, it's, <laughs> you obviously can't. I don't know if you're colorblind or what. I mean, it, I, I'm gonna take Tennessee. I'm gonna take Tennessee, and I feel awful about it. I feel awful. I do as well. Let's just pretend that we didn't actually pick that game and move on to the BYU. It's is that in the '80s? This can't be a thing. References to bounce back game. I set the over under at four, figuring oh at least God. one per quarter. It's going to be at least four. And I tell you what, I want to say this. I know Tennessee fans like you, if you think we're. I want. I want to help you out. We get paid on Friday, right, Connor? I have. Is that how that works? You don't Payday's know Friday. Paid? Seriously? Okay. I'm just kidding. I think. Okay. I think we do. We get paid on Friday, and I'll. I will donate a hundred dollars of my paycheck. I'm not kidding. Oh my! I will donate a hundred dollars of my paycheck. To spray paint and arts and crafts supplies for y'all to go trash that damn rock if y'all lose to BYU. Because you know what? If you got, What do I say, Connor? If you got hate in your heart, let it out. And when I, I don't mean 100. I mean 50. But regardless, I, I will sponsor the spray paint for a, a core group of listeners if y'all somehow mess this game up and lose. Hasn't that poor rock been through enough? For real, man. For real. That poor rock. Get a deal with the whole Shiano thing. Let's give the rock a little <laughs> bit of a break. All right. Let's move on. To Tulane and Auburn. Auburn is an 18-point favorite. Interesting little spread there because Auburn coming off the big emotional week. I think the this I think the beautiful. odds makers have really I think they've accounted for that. And I think they're expecting yeah. maybe a little bit of a little bit of a hangover against the Green Wave. That's what Tulane is, right? The Green Wave. Yeah. That's uh, and they're led by uh, our our guy, former LSU quarterback, right? Isn't it Lowell Narcisse or is it Justin Narcisse? Um, I'm blanking. I don't know, and uh, yeah, I, I haven't done my, enough research on this yet. Uh, but 
This whole week's got me thrown off, man. What's today? Wednesday? Come on now. It's crazy. Um, Tulane. The, so, it, our, I always look at Odd Shark, and Odd Shark has a lot of good gambling info. But they also do a score predictor that makes no sense. Like, it may, like you'll see stuff where it's like, yeah, we're go- they're going to win 37 to 2. And you're like, huh? That's not going to happen. Um, this even something. They're, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, their prediction for this is Auburn 29.6 to Tulane 29.2. I don't think it's going to be what? that close. But I, I will say this. And Oregon, Oregon was a good team. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a good team that is they, – they were a lot better than I think people are going to give them credit for. But this has become this is this is so peak Auburn that I and I love it because I tell you what Bo Nix was twelve of thirty before that last pass and he he looked not great and then he goes thirteen of thirty one and all is right with the world down there in Auburn land so I'm gonna say um, I, take the under the under is the best play uh, it, it's definitely the best play here but I'm gonna take Auburn to cover. And again, not feel great about it because that's a weird, that's a weird line. You know what's weird is that if the spread was twenty, if the, if the spread was Auburn minus twenty eight for this game, I'd probably be like, yeah, Auburn covers. They're supposed yeah. to roll. They looked really good last week, but because it's eighteen, I'm thinking it to the point where I'm like, all right, Vegas knows the the the, the hangover of last week's win. It, it's coming, and I would be a little worried about that just because. Auburn still has some things to figure out on the offensive side of the ball, and they yeah. can dominate this game from a defensive standpoint, that's, which that's I absolutely expect them to do. And they could easily hold Tulane to, to single digits or something like that. But at the same time, is, is Auburn is Auburn's offense in a position now where it's going to be able to put up 35, 42 points? That's what would give me a that's little a bit of question. pause in this one. But I, I will say so, this too. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm going to, I'll, I'll take Tulane to cover the the, the A team. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know much about Tulane, and so I'm saying this from a point of ignorance, so I'm admitting it now. But I'll say this: when when you see an 18 point spread like that, when you see that against a, do, a defense that looked as dominant as as Auburn's did at times last week, especially late in the game, and they're at home, for me this is like, okay, does does Auburn's offense put up 28 points? I think yeah, they do. I, I think they do. They did it. They did it against Oregon last week. I think they can do that against Tulane at home after you know the confidence they, they built off last week. Does Tulane score ten? I don't know. I don't know in that off against that defense, right? But what Fair I will off. say is this: the under has gone. The under has hit in five of, of Tulane's last six road games. Okay, Ooh. it's hit in six of its last six games against the SEC. Okay, so it's six for six. And Auburn, the under has hit in thirteen of their last seventeen games overall. The the over under is fifty two points. Jump all over it. Okay. Jump was, all over little, the under. Uncle Chris dropping the knowledge. By the way, little uh, little Uncle Uncle Connor knowledge here. Oh. Um, my lock of the week. I texted you earlier in the week. This this we'll, we'll go back oh, to yeah. the Auburn over under. My lock of the week is Army to cover plus twenty two at Michigan. I tell you what, I, there's nothing I want to gamble on more than an Army Michigan battle. That game should be played option. in black and white. It basically will be. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I know that Michigan's got the modern offense with Josh Gaddis now, but that, that game will be played in black and white. And Army actually throws the ball now. Go figure. Do they? Um, they throw the ball you a little that, bit, yeah. You remember the game bit. last year against Oklahoma where it's like every, no one could find the game? That was like a huge thing on Reddit because it was like people were trying to stream it like illegally and they just oh, kept getting cut yeah, off. Yeah. But it was like 28-21, and Army's drives were like 17-play, 9-minute, and 30-second yard. Like, or Beautiful. time drive was ridiculous, so... 
Over under Oof. on replays slash references to Bo Nix's game winning touchdown. I set the over under at seven point five. I'm gonna go under. Hopefully, right? I, I mean, yeah. By who? The broadcast or Auburn fans? Because that, that just, is no, just no, no, no. Not this. Whatever I say, no, a I reference know, I know. I or kidding. like, it's always the broadcast because they're they're obviously fans are talking about that that kind of stuff all week. But the way that I try and look at something like this is I'll break it down by quarters or something like that. Will we average two references yeah. per quarter? They're, uh, that, they're calling it not the that crazy. Catch. That's uh, all right. I mean. The video, okay. I saw Simone Sessions put this out there, and she's she's awesome. She uh, put out the video of, like, Patrick Nix to Frank Sanders versus Seth Williams catching the pass. Oh, it was awesome. That was, was awesome. Great. I, was like, very, I don't know why cool. the one on the left was in black and white, because it was from 1994, and I remember that. But, like, I don't know. It was, it was simpler times, man. Simpler times. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. Eastern, Kentucky, or Eastern Michigan against Kentucky. Kentucky is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. More disrespect. It. More disrespect to Kentucky. I'm taking Kentucky to cover until something tells me not to. I, I, what what would that have be to be, approach. Connor? What would that have to be? Ooh, that's a good question. Because um, you know you're going to take them next week against Florida because they're, they're at home. you, you got them outright I picked them to, to win. win outright. I'll, I'll say it right now. I, I, I had my crystal ball. I picked Kentucky to beat Florida outright in that game. I'll still take that. I don't care whatever the, the spread is in that game. Nothing unless unless Terry Wilson goes down. That would be the only yeah. thing that would that would prevent no, you me said from it. sticking with that pick. Yeah, true. Good point. No, I think Terry Wilson has a has a, a big week getting the passing game going again. Like I said, their their rushing attack is more diverse than it was last year. I think it's tougher for defenses to game plan for that. And that's not to say that they're better than Benny Snell, Cavassier Smoke, and AJ Rose, but I just think that they're able to do some different things on offense. I'll take Kentucky to put up a lot of points, again, against a defense that should be inferior. I think that we, we're starting to just change our belief as to how a typical Kentucky game is going to go, and this is another example of that. <sighs> okay, so Bear brought this up last week. He and picked Kentucky to cover, by the way. Yeah, he did. So, But he also brought up the fact that Eastern Michigan. Now, now I, I'm familiar with Eastern Michigan because one of my favorite names in the history of college football, Brogan Roback. Oh, yeah. Brogan. Hard if knocks. his name was Brogan Broback, that's the only way it could have ever been better. I mean, yeah, he was on Hard Knocks, too, but like, we did a feature on him uh, on, a, on Winning and Boozing one time because it was like, his name's, he looks just like Gary Busey, first off, his son, mm-hmm. Jake Busey. Uh, but yeah, Brogan Roback. I'm familiar with these Eastern Michigan Eagles, okay? Um, they're 16 and 3 against the spread in their last 19 games on the road. I don't know anything about Eastern Michigan. I don't. If you, I can point. That. I can point to it on my hand of where it looks. What where it looks like? Because I know that Michigan's shaped like a hand. Um, ah, damn it! I'm gonna take. Four, why is the hook there, Connor? I, I'm gonna take. Listen, Odd Shark, real quick. Has Kentucky twenty six point seven to twenty six point six. Terrible. It's gonna be a close one. <laughs> um, I'm Very gonna. Close I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Eastern Michigan against my better judgment just to cover. I I don't feel confident in it at all, but 14 points could I guess it could happen. And and here's the thing too. I love me some Mark Stoops. I love me some Cash Daniel. I'm and texting him again. Do right not, now. do not. Um because I have he leg was not day happy coming last up. Week. But like, you know, but here's the thing. Don't don't show anything. Put 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 neighbor Terry Wilson. Inside of a glass case or a, a, a plastic wrap, bubble wrap, I don't know, whatever you would want to say. And don't let him get hurt because next week you have a chance to do something 
very, very big that I don't know if it's ever been done in program history. So just who cares? Coast through this game. Get to next week. All right, over under DeAndre Square, Josh Allen comps. DeAndre Square, if, for, for those of y'all who missed it last week, just had a monster, monster coming oh. out party. Uh, the Kentucky linebacker who just had a tremendous game. He had this tip interception to himself that was like a pass defended that he somehow made this play. It'll be on his NFL draft film, no doubt. He actually was number five on uh, Herb Street's top performers of week one. That's a national thing. He is, we talked about it during the offseason of like, okay, Stoops is going to have these guys that nobody's talking about during the offseason that are going to step up and become household names. DeAndre Square had a just a huge game one and potentially could look like that guy. So... Will we get a comparison to Josh Allen? I set the over-under at 0. .5. Oh, yeah. Over. Boom. Over. All right. No, you Simple just did it there. This yeah. is a big well, I, one. Yeah, it's like three. Um, okay, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a six-and-a-half-point favorite to me out take down the Mighty Hogs. <laughs> I have, I have said throughout this offseason that I think Arkansas is able to get its first SEC win of the Chad Morris era on the road in Oxford. I'm sticking to that despite the fact that last week Arkansas's offense looked like a mitigated disaster. Um, Rakeem yeah. Boyd still stud, I don't know what that but word the quarterback means, situation, yeah. yeah, just um, not good. Colossal disaster. Yeah, okay. A train wreck. Yeah. Um, pile of trash. I don't know. Whatever you want to pick. Don't. Go ahead. Never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think Arkansas has a little bit more of its offensive identity this week. I think it's a lower scoring game that I was originally predicting after seeing kind of Ole Miss's defense with Mike McIntyre in week one, what they were able to do against yeah. uh, Memphis last week on the road. So I think that game's going to be lower scoring than I thought. But, yeah, six and a half for Arkansas to cover. Give me that. I think we see more Nick Starkle in this game. It was a three-point win last year, it, you know, like when, when Ole Miss had all that talent. And so point. I, I, don't want, I don't know if I want to stick to my guns on the Arkansas-Ole Miss upset prediction like I did earlier in the season um, after watching what Matt Corral did last week. Or what? Oh, it was awful. Um, God, this, this is like I joked around this, about this like on our conference call. This is going to be Hunger Games for each fan base. Like I mean, it flat out is because because here and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but like, well, I am, but um, yeah, there's gonna, there's gonna, yeah, this is going to be negative. <laughs> just, I'll just just brace yourselves. There's just I mean, there's going to be one fan base for this who is going to be done. They're they're done for the rest of the year. There's going to be like. It won't be like dramatic NFL stuff. It's like I'm burning, I'm burning this this jersey. I'm I'm tired. Fire fire will must champ. Fire will must champ. I, I just I think that it's it's gonna be hard to if you can't win this game and I think it goes for either team. The rest of that slate looks pretty difficult. I mean, looks That's a looks good point. pretty difficult. Um, I'm gonna take Arkansas to cover because the fact that Ole Miss is favored by six and a half over air is crazy to me. Um, so I'm gonna take Arkansas to cover and in in what would just be Ugh, I mean, just midget jello wrestling. That's what it's going to look like. It's going to be tough to watch, but fun. We got a lot of crap in the preseason when our crystal ball predictions came out for predicting that Arkansas would win this game. As a six-and-a-half-point underdog, that's, like, actually not that bad. No, it's you know, not. In terms of, it's, like, a decent upset to be able to say that. People are like, oh, that's, that game's a coin flip. It's like, well, you know. You get a lot of crap for anything that goes against a fan base. But now just, that's a good point. Man. I already know you're taking the over on this, but I really just wanted to ask you about this person, this thing, <laughs> this whatever it is, just so that this we can hear more fuel. conversations about him. Landshark Tony close-ups in this game. I set the over-under at 1.5. Now, I know what you're thinking. 
over, smash the over, not even close. Why would you even yeah. think about that? Here's my thinking. They show that Landshark Tony close-up once, it scares kids. They get comments, they're like, hey, we can't do this. We cannot do zoom in, we can't do these zoom in shots of, of, of Landshark Tony. It's just, it's too terrifying. We This is a, a family friendly, friendly audience. This is a, a Disney audience. I think the game is on one of the ESPN networks probably or SEC network, network, whatever yeah. it is. Okay, so it, with that in mind, you cannot show Landshark Tony to a bunch of little kids. 1.5, and I think that the under could hit. Uh, it's going to be over for sure because it's just that is, oh, man. That, that, so. You sounded like Landshark Tony. Uh, he, I just, Landshark Tony. <laughs> He's not supposed to make noise. Landshark Tony, the only reason this would not happen is if Landshark Tony and New Gus are out rolling dice out back. That, that's Ooh, like that's the only point. way it would not be, not be shown because it is, God, he's scary. He is terrifying. By the, by the way, I totally forgot to take New Gus into account when we were talking about that spread, that 18-point spread against yeah. Tulane. I'm, if, if New Gus is able to cover in that one, then I'm going to – Yeah. I'll have an apology ready for, for ever doubting New, New Gus, who's probably just going to you know, find me in a back alley and just you know, beat the living crap out of me right. or something because you, that's what he does. Do you remember Vegas Vacation? Uh, yes. Okay. One, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Rusty wins all the money. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like, I want a new car. Put a put a coin in, want a new car. Right. Yeah, he won, like, four cars. Um, Papa Giorgio. But you know what? You know what this game reminds me of? Arkansas and Ole Miss is... Remember that scene in in uh, Vegas Vacation where he goes to, like, the really crappy buffet, and it's, like, a, a blue goop and, like, a yellow goop, and he's like, that's chicken? And he's like, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. And he, the guy just, like, half-assed, like switches them he's like that's chicken and it's like it looks just disgusting that's what this game reminds me of like each team's like like the fan bases that got mad at us that's what it reminds me of i can tell from your reaction that you get it so i'm I'm glad i brought it (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be okay arkansas and Ole Miss fans you're gonna get through it the winner and the winner of this game is gonna be feeling much better about themselves and they'll be talking about bowl eligibility all that all right, different conversation on the table for AM Clemson. Clemson is a 17 point favorite. That line is, don't, don't take that line to the bank all the way to Saturday. I'm sure that line is going to continue to move. But this is a game that we've talked about throughout the offseason. Huge, huge implications for the SEC. What do you got? I'm taking AM to cover. It's, uh, and here's what I'm going to do. I, and I know we said this doesn't matter as much, but it does. 17 and a half. I'm taking 17 and a half. I'm taking the hook. It's it's like a it's a comfy blanket that I want to I want to wrap up in because that, that little cushion 17. that little yep. yeah and, and like A and M this I can't I don't know Vegas is I, I, this is the mind pretzel that, that they're gonna that I'm gonna get involved in this week like, I can see myself doing a deep dive of at least an hour and a half later this week on this game because like it makes no sense to me that A and M from what we saw last year from what we've seen this year in Game One of Clemson. Is is a seventeen and a half point underdog to Clemson? They're ranked eleventh in the country. I think that a lot of what's taken into account with these odds are uh, an A and M pass defense that struggled mightily last year. Yeah. That was the weakness of Mike Elko's defense, and the fact that you have the guy who's talked about as the best quarterback in the country in Trevor yeah. Lawrence. And I think the combination of that with Justin Ross not playing in this game last year and all the weapons that Clemson has back on offense, you know, Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne against that Clem, or against that A&M run defense is going to be fun to watch. That's but story, yeah. I do think that that's the reason that that line was set so high. Having said that, I think Kellen Mond's going to have another good game. Have a I, day, I think son. He's one of those guys. I think he's one of those guys who just kind of rises to the occasion. He kind of can play to his competition. He has that ability. He can keep yeah. a defense off balance really, really well. 
And, you know, as tempting, you know, as tempting as it is to say, like, he'll just repeat what he did last year, I don't think he's going to throw for 400 yards in death. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think that kind of game is in store. But I think he's going to keep him somewhat close. And I think he's yeah. going to make this game at least interesting. I don't see A&M losing by 17. I, I, I see them keeping it within two scores. Yeah, agreed. Let's do over-under on <laughs> mentions of Jimbo versus Dabo in the ACC. So talking about Jimbo when he was at Florida State. You, you I said the over-under. It's th- okay, so I set the over-under at 3.5. That's not Is that too close. high? It's way too low. Way too low. And, oh, I, and okay. I, but I'm glad you brought it up because this is this is what I want to see out of this. And I, and I want Clemson fans, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, because you guys, you, I've never seen a jaded champion. I've never seen a champion be this jaded and upset. Like, it is every Clemson fan. I made the joke last year about UCF is, is that, that steroid-using little brother from 51st States who is like, let's change the high school, huh? Huh, Stacey? He's, he's Rudy. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call him Rudy. I would say specifically what I said. Yeah. Um, Clemson's a great program. They're a great team. Here's what I want out of this game more than anything. I don't know if you remember this happening, but I remember watching it live when I hated Florida State. And in 2013, way before you hated Florida State, 2013, <laughs> 2013, Florida State, Jameis Winston, go to Death Valley, Clemson, South Carolina, for an 8 p.m. primetime national kickoff. Brent Musburger on the call with Kirk Herbstreit. And I'll never forget, and I've been in this, this environment, and it's awesome. It is awesome. And they, they go in the most inefficient way ever. They go to the locker room. They board a bus. They go around the stadium to the bus, and they come out, and they and they and you see that first orange and white paw print pop out of that the top of that hill before they run down the hill. It is it is the most exciting 25 seconds in college football, and, and I believe that. But I will never forget that game when they have all this buildup, and you have Britt Musburger going, you're looking live, and and he's he they, they bring the buses, and it's this whole five-minute ordeal. And Florida State goes out there and beats them 51-14. to 14. Let's go, Jimbo! Nothing has changed with Clemson since then, so I'm not sure at all. perfectly <laughs> realistic at all. All right, last game. We we haven't talked much about this yet, but we we're going to talk guest. a lot about it starting right now. We've got a very special guest coming on soon here. LSU in Texas. LSU, as of right now, as of this recording, is a five-and-a-half-point favorite to win that game in Austin. And you, sir, are not happy about that. You know I hate five-and-a-half-point spreads. You know I hate it. I'm, you do always throw that stat in there that I always forget. And I'm, I'm pretty sure because I made it up. Um, but 72%, 73% of teams that are a five-and-a-half-point underdog cover the spread. I think like That's believable. 41% went outright. Or maybe 29% went outright. I don't know. Either way, regardless, I, I like Texas to cover the spread. I, I love LSU. I'm, I think they go 11 and one this year. They might go 12 and 0. They honestly, they are. They looked very good in that game one. I'm a big believer in what they have this year. I think they're going to go out there. I think they're going to pound, pound, pound Texas and that defense and Tom Herman and that whole mm, Texas is back. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you're going to get punched in the mouth this week from LSU. And I can't wait to see it. But what I will say is this. You're going into a, a very hostile environment of 100,000 people that, for whatever reason, believe in themselves. I hate it. I'm over it. I don't like hearing about all their, their overconfidence. LSU's going to win. I'll take Texas to cover. I'm going to 28-24. Well. Go ahead. Don't, I'm not I'm hedging! Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say 24-21 LSU wins this game. And you bring up the point about the, the defense, the inexperience that they have on that side of the ball. That's what I've been thinking about this entire offseason about – how, how big that game is that it's in week two and that LSU is going to really be able to present 
the first real test for that Texas defense, which looked really good against Georgia. Don't get me wrong. They, they were great in the Sugar Bowl. That was tremendous. But most of those guys aren't back. And this is, this is a very, very different and You have to play and, somebody when it matters, too. And if LSU is able to do some things with, you know, having having that balance with the RPOs as well, it's just going to be so huge for them. Uh, I will take LSU to win this game. But I guess at five and a half, Texas is going to cover, at in Texas. my opinion. Yeah, at Texas, they, they, they cover. You, everybody always loves the, the home dog. Yeah. Okay, over under mentions of LSU's whole, like, Tom Herman, Ed Ogeron coaching search in twenty at the end of the 2016 season. I set the over under at 2.5. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under because I didn't remember it happening uh, until you really? brought it up today. Yeah, until because oh, I, I didn't write articles about it. you did. Like, good I, point. You know, good point. Um, it, like Jacob Hester had, had a, a very good point that he brought up in the interview. Well, am I allowed to say it? Or is that like, spoiler alert? Yeah, spoiler alert. He basically said, you know, this is a. It, it all worked out for everybody. I think it all worked out for everybody. It, it did. It absolutely and, did. And I, I love. Listen, here's the thing, man. I I, I think. Herman is great for that attitude of for people in Texas because he's an he's an a hole. I, I, I didn't say it, but I, like he he's an a hole. That's just bottom line. And, and like I'm not saying that as as something like I hate that guy. It's just when when you have your entire character dragged through the mud by Zach Smith on, on social media, and your response is okay, cool, hook him. I love it. I love I love how dismissive and but he yeah he's an a hole, and I think he's perfect to go along with that fan base. And I don't care how that sounds. Ed Orgeron is perfect to go along with this LSU yep. fan base. And, and I've said this a bazillion times, and I'm fired up now because I've got this picture of him screaming like right in front of me. Um, it means something to him. It, it means something. It means more to Ed Orgeron to win at that program than it does than any other coach in the SEC. And, and, and I don't care. Like, Georgia fans, slow your roll because Kirby wants to win too. And other fans, I, I don't know who you would be. It does not mean as much for your coach to win at that school as it does for Ed Orgeron to win at LSU. And that's why they're going to win this week. Dang, I'm ready to run through a wall. I right am now. too. I'll tell you who else is. Oh boy. Oh no. Kyle! Kyle! Kyle, how you been? Well, man, I haven't been getting out, you know, going out to Mexico and taking trips down there like you have. I know you've been going on a lot of vacations, though. I, I mean, kind of using my skin. A tan. Coat, I'm coat jealous. Tan okay, I look, I look real. Yeah, oh. So, oh, I want to start with O. Oh. Orgeron Salvador, very tan. Connor, let me tell you something right now. We going to Texas, did we? People say all the time, you don't mess with Texas. Connor, guess what we going to do this week? Figuring out, try and mess with Texas. Connor, we messing with Texas this week. We going to mess with Texas. We going to mess with Texas a lot. Now, here's the big difference. You talk about the game, break down X's and O's. You know I love the O, even though I coach the D. Here the thing. Connor. Coach, compose yourself. Compose yourself. Quiet, Chris. God, we gonna go down there. I don't know much about Austin. I don't know a lot about music. Can't dance. Born with three left feet. Okay, born with three left feet. Now here's the thing. You talk about taco. I love me a taco. Love you like taco, kind of. Yeah, who doesn't like tacos? You, you a hard shell man. You a soft shell. You a soft shell or hard shell? Uh, I like soft, but I can you know. Yeah, I can see that. I, I kind of. I'll stop you right there. I can see that. I can see you being a soft shell man. I'm a hard shell man, kind of. Hard shell man. My whole team. Hard shell, man. LSU football, hard shell. Texas football, soft shell. I got one more thing to say about this. Only Texas thing I like, Texas Pete. I know, I know Uncle Chris hit me on that. Mm-hmm. Coach, I do. I appreciate that. Cut! Cut! Last thing I want to say. Matthew McConaughey, love your movies. Love your movies. 
but you're going to need a lot more than some angels in the outfield. And their failure to launch on that passing attack with Sam Elliott. How you say a stupid name? I'm going to show you how to lose a game in 10 plays. Texas wow. might be fool's gold, you could say. Uh, I'll, I'll do the puns. I'll, I'll, I'll do the right, puns. Sorry, sorry. Coach, oh, out. Wow, coach. Right. Failure to launch. I know. I owe you 20 bucks for that. That was really nice of you to do that. Don't even mention that crib. Coach O is ready to go. That, I'm so fired that, up. That you're not going to question about we about this game. It's whether or not Coach O is going to be ready. You, you absolutely know that that guy is going to be fired up, ready to go. We're getting closer we talk- and closer to the day he puts on a helmet and enters the game. I'm telling you, I, it could be Saturday. I would yeah. not rule that out. We talked a lot of Coach O. We talked a lot of LSU Texas with our good buddy Jacob Hester. He, uh, he has just great perspective on, on all things LSU, getting to follow that program around. He's going to be there in Austin this weekend. So let's kick it to first our interview with Jacob Hester and then a little winning and boozing. Guess let's who's go. back? We're now excited to be joined by a very, very special guest. Had some technical difficulties getting him on the line yesterday when we were supposed to record this. Got him on the line today. Thank God we did because it is Jacob Hester. Uh, you know him from Hanging with Hester. He hosts... SEC this morning, whenever Peter Burns takes a last-minute sick day because of something with his ear. Uh, Jacob, <laughs> we chatted yesterday, and I know, you know, at the time when we were going to record this, I was like, oh, you know, you probably spent the last three hours talking to Chris Doring, so your three hours were very blessed. How were those three hours yesterday when we were supposed to have a gap talking? <laughs> Man, this is one of those weeks, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Peter called in sick, so I get two days hosting sec this morning because it's a fun week in the conference and obviously on my local show hanging with hester and baton rouge we're going to be more lsu central but when you host the sec show you can really talk about not only the games this week between a&m and clemson and lsu in texas but you can talk about things that went wrong last week and look i was the biggest mizzou fan in the world i mean i was all aboard the mizzou train and last year, me and Doring were on the oh. Kentucky train. That worked out extremely well for us. Well, we hopped on the Missouri train this year. And so far in week one, that's probably the most disappointed I was watching a game because, look, you had a 14 nothing lead. And then, look, Larry Roundtree, to me, was one of the best backs in the conference coming into this year. He only <laughs> averages 2.7 yards of carry against Wyoming. And I just kept watching that game. And I was like, man, like this is a team that we talked about because of their schedule, because of everything, was going to go in this Georgia game undefeated. And, boy, did I qu- uh, quickly get humbled on my uh, preseason surprise pick. Well, I, we would I have never that... picked that. <laughs> yeah, we would have never said anything quite like that. So, yeah, that's you're just on an island there by yourself. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that we predicted all offseason was the improvement that we expected from the LSU offense with Joe Brady bringing in the RPO system. Week one, we see Joe Burrow just go off against Georgia Southern. As a former running back, are you triggered that LSU is now a pass-first offense? No, I'm not. I mean, look, Good. and I'll tell you first and foremost, I would not have thrived in this new offense. Thank God I played <laughs> because your boy, your boy here played in the phone booth, and that's about the only thing I had was I could lower my head and try to get some extra yards. So running out of shotgun probably wouldn't have been the best for me, but – it had to happen, guys. It, it absolutely had to happen. Yeah. And we talk about quarterbacks changing through high school and growing up in the spread. And when they get to college, that's what they run. And that's why the LSU 
pro system wasn't the best. Well, let's not forget these running backs grow up in this too. This is what they do now. And so it's something that they specialize in now growing up. And they don't, you know, dot the eye anymore and run power the conventional way and, you know, get it and have a fullback in front of them, kicking out the same linebacker and reading a gap to expand. No, they're running power out of shotgun as well, all growing up now. And so this offense had to happen. We've been talking about it for a decade plus. And to finally see it, I don't care who the opponent was. It could have been Division Three Louisiana College, and I would not have cared because it was all about <laughs> the execution. It was about Joe Burrow looking comfortable. It was about 14 receivers catching the ball. 14. I mean, how many games would you have had to count last year to find 14 LSU receivers caught a ball? And Stephon Three seasons. Wasn't, yeah, I mean, Stephon Tolman wasn't even one of those guys, and he's going to have a big role on this team and so uh, look you can't understate what happened on saturday again it doesn't matter the opponent it's all about what lsu is trying to do as far as scheme wise now this matchup with texas is fascinating on a variety of levels let's start with with the aforementioned quarterback play compare joe burrow now where he is both on and off the field to where he was at this time last year and and how much more confident are you in him that he can go into a hostile environment and really silence a crowd. Yeah, so look, for, for Joe, as far as going into a hostile crowd, that was never really a worry just because just getting to know him the short time that we did last year. I mean, his first couple of games, I mean, he went in a neutral side, beat Miami, goes on the road yep. to Auburn, beats Auburn. That's not a place that LSU has had a lot of success. I know it was my first time to ever be able to celebrate a victory there. I didn't win as a player or covering the team, and so – that's a tough venue to play in. So that's never been a worry. I think it's all about him being more comfortable with all of his surroundings. I'm talking on and off the field. Even a year ago, as well as Joe played, and, and you all know I'm a big fan of Joe Burrow and what he did, you could still tell there was times where he was trying maybe not to make that mistake. And that happens to a lot of quarterbacks. And he was very efficient. I mean, he didn't make the big mistakes, but now he's letting it loose. He's not making the mistakes, and he's comfortable and, you know, trying to fit a ball in maybe a window he wouldn't have a year ago or making a check at the line that maybe he wasn't comfortable making last year just because he was so new and didn't necessarily, you know, feel like he had maybe control of the team early in the season because, guys, he got here May 30th last year, and then all of a sudden yeah. he's starting against Miami and Dallas in early September. And so for, for those things, I, I see a big difference in Joe. Jacob, compare what the te- like the team mentality is between this year and maybe last year or years past. Because you you know how much have they bought into not necessarily their own hype, but the belief that they can compete for Natty. Well, I think the last off season was was warm where you heard Coach O was uh, the name on the hot seat. He had the hottest hot seat. Um, we didn't know who was going to be quarterback, running back, any of the receivers, really any of the offensive line outside of maybe two two guys there's center and left tackle and so it was question marks all over the place like who is going to be on this 2018 LSU football team and they kind of play with a chip on their shoulder and they played the underdog role and they did it well and they won 10 games and then this offseason I think Coach O really understood that he had to try to you know not let them read their own clippings and Coach O man that, that's one of the things I think he does extremely well is make sure that his team's focused and it doesn't really matter who they're playing doesn't matter what they're ranked and they always kind of play with that chip on their shoulder. And pregame, you could see that against Georgia Southern. You could see how focused they were. You could see it in their play. They didn't have the missed tackles. They didn't have the missed assignments. Like, you know, typically every team has in week one. I know we certainly have them 
in week one when I was playing at LSU. And so, yeah, while the expectation level has changed, I still think this is a hungry football team. And I think that they know they're good. They realize they're good. But they also know that, you know, that Alabama thing still sits there. The fact that uh, LSU hasn't won since 2011. And, you know, they realize that they've got to get to a college football playoff before, you know, people will really start talking about them as one of the best programs in the country. And I feel like they're extremely close to getting back to that point. They've done a hell of a job in recruiting. The last two classes have been really all-timers for LSU, and now it's about going out there with the high expectations because you've played that underdog role. You've got to go prove to people, that, okay, we're back. We're one of the big dogs that can win a national title. So shifting gears a, a little bit, we, we found out that Joe Burrow smashes his head against the wall before games, which makes just all sorts of sense, very on-brand it, 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 it brings a, It brings a tear to a glass eye is what it does. It makes me extremely happy. <laughs> What's so on, on that on that note? What's the most unique pregame ritual that you've seen either with this current LSU team or with just anybody that you played with? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, as far as like my personal experience, my favorite pregame thing was the fact that from 2005 to 2007, the defensive coordinator Bo Pelini would give the entire oh, yeah. team pep talk. Okay. It, uh, he was the best trash talker, the best motivator. I've ever been around. And look, uh, Les did a good job of giving the message and getting everybody ready to go, so this isn't a slight on Les. But after Les would get done, Bo would be yelling at the defense, and he, he every week he'd turn around, and let me tell you one effing thing, offense, and we'd just <laughs> go off on us and talk about the other Let's team. Let's go. Bo Pelini would get me so fired up, and then he'd, you know, he'd hit his hand, smash the, the whiteboard out in front of him, and Bo Pelini, to me, was the ultimate motivator. And not a lot of times he's your defensive coordinator going to give pep talks to the offense, but he would do it. He didn't do it every single game, but he'd do it about 70% of the time, and we'd be ready to run through a brick wall. Yeah, I know this is going to shock you with my haircut, but I was a big Dave Matthews pregame guy, so, I mean, I, I totally get it. <laughs> totally get hey, it. Mike, I can't, can't hate on that because I actually listen to Elvis pregame. Uh, I don't know if y'all know, mm, I'm like really? an old soul, like Elvis, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding. Like, that's yeah, my that's jam. Right. And so, before, like, the pregame speeches, I did like to kind of get in my Wusa zone and kind of chill out a little bit. Yeah. But then Bo Pelini would throw that all to hell when he'd smash a whiteboard, and I'd be like, okay, who are we going to hit now? Right, yeah. <laughs> Baseball is different because I couldn't just start screaming at the pitcher because I got, you know, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, that it doesn't really work. Um, you're going to catch one, like, 92 to the helmet. <laughs> right. So tell me, tell me what the difference is. I, we talked about like the the mentality of the team this year. Coach O just kind of seems like he's comfortable, like he's in his own element. What's changed? What have you seen change from him last year versus this year? Because it, it just seems like he's he's just ready to go. Well, I think last year he was really just continuing to try to figure out, you know, exactly who this team could be, who he wanted it to be. He was still trying to move parts on his coaching staff to get the staff that he wanted. And, uh, look, as he's, when he was an interim coach, I thought he did a nice job of trying to put some people in place. But we all obviously know that you're handcuffed a little bit when you're the interim coach. And then when he got the full-time job, and he, look, he'll be the first to tell you, he went out and tried to hire Matt Canada. That just was not a fit. It was not a fit for LSU. It wasn't a fit for Coach Yo. Um, the Matt Canada deal just did not work out on any level. And he, he admits that that was not the right hire. And so then he went back to – what he knows, and what he knows is Steve Ensminger, and they've had a friendship forever, and Steve's been at Clemson and A&M, and 
that relationship obviously was already there, and then it, it continued to grow last year. And then he goes out and he gets to Joe Brady, a guy that when he was with the Saints, Coach O was highly impressed with when they came and did some coach clinic type stuff. And so I think he's got his staff. I think he's got the people that he wants. He's brought you know former colleagues from other places and a mixture of people who have been at LSU before and put them in positions. He's gone out and got Greg McMahon from the Saints to run the special teams. And so for me, I just think he's comfortable with everyone around him because he finally has his pieces in place. At the time, and this this subject's going to be discussed a lot this weekend because of the matchup, but at the time, three years ago, missing out on Tom Herman and instead removing the interim tag off of Coach O was considered settling. I think a lot of LSU fans would have said that. They were excited for a potential big, splashy hire. Coach O was not that. Joe Oliva took a ton of heat for it. Obviously, he's no longer the AD. But let's say you were the AD and you could go back in time knowing what we know now. And I, I got a feeling I know your answer to this question, yeah. but maybe maybe why would you roll with Coach O and why, you know, why why would you say that you know he he was just ultimately the right fit and maybe we should have seen it a little bit more then at the time? Well, you're right about it. You know, people want the splashy hire, and obviously we all know the names of the Jimbo Fisher and Tom Herman. And um, you know, to me, I thought that Coach O as an NM did a lot of things in that short amount of time. And I just mentioned the kind of things that you typically can't do when you're an interim coach. And I thought he coached them at a very high level. And we all, look, we all know the backstories, Coach O from Louisiana, all that. And I'll, I'll say this for me personally, and this is just my personal opinion, I knew what kind of team he recruited at Ole Miss because I had to play against those guys. And Coach O will tell you, there's things he didn't do uh, the way he wanted to do looking back at Ole Miss. But I'm just talking about the players he recruited, the guys he had on the field. They were some of the most talented guys I went against in college. You talk about Greg Hardy. You talk about Patrick Willis. You talk about all these names. And, look, Ole Miss won some football games right when Coach O left. That was a big selling point for me personally because I knew if he had had a couple more years and maybe did some things different at Ole Miss, what could have been there. And so – uh, look, I, I was in the Coach O corner whenever everything was going on. And, look, obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge Jimbo Fisher fan. Jimbo was my offense coordinator for three years. I think the world of him. But I just thought that Coach O was the best fit for LSU. And Jimbo's doing great at A&M. And Tom Herman, obviously, has Texas in the top ten now. Coach O's got LSU in the top ten. So all these coaches, all three of them have their teams right in the top ten. Jimbo's right there at 11. And so I think every school got exactly what they needed. And – the Tom Herman Coach O stuff has been talked about a ton, a ton here in Baton Rouge this week. And obviously it's going to continue until the game kicks off. I can promise you Coach O does not care one iota about the Tom Herman Coach O storyline in this game. Could care less, just knowing him on a personal level. And so, look, they're going out there, they're going to play football. They don't really care who the coach is. And like I mentioned, I think it worked out pretty well for all three schools. Agreed. Man, just not one, not even one piece of bulletin board material there. That was just, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> also, I really want to hear Coach O say iota, because that, that's like, that would be perfect. Um, so uh, so a couple, a couple weeks ago, you guys, humble brag, you guys brought up um, a list of players I, I came up with for uh, like biggest surprise players or breakout players for SEC, the SEC this year. And one of them was Jamar Chase. Um, who, what's a surprise player for LSU that could be a difference maker, not only in this game, but also down the line this season? 
Oh, it's a great question. And for me, defensively, when you look at LSU, I think, gosh, that their middle linebacking room right now is so deep. They've got four guys that could be starters, could be listed as starters, and they're going to play. And I think a guy like Damone Clark, he's a sophomore. He's a guy that got a surprise start a week ago. He's an absolute thumper. He's a guy that in the middle of that defense can really be a difference maker. Jacob Phillips plays really well off of him. Jacob Phillips had 10 tackles. I think Damone had eight tackles. And he's a guy to watch out for because it's not a name we talked about in the offseason. Jacob Phillips was a preseason second or third team All-SEC guy. Michael Divinity Jr. was a guy that we saw playing outside linebacker a year ago. He moved to inside, so that was obviously a storyline we were talking about. Then Patrick Queen was another name because he filled in for Devin White when Devin White had the targeting deal. And then we weren't really talking about Damone Clark. He's a special teams guy. We knew he's a thumper, but you know, can he play in the SEC? He went out and had a hell of a game a week ago. Every press conference that Coach O had during the fall, he talked about Clark. And so expect big things for him. And I think in this game with Ellinger, with his running ability, running the quarterback powers in the middle of LSU's defense, he's a name that you can see standing out in the stat sheet. All right, Marler, let's remember that. Damone Clark, we're going to put that in our back yeah, pocket. Yeah, stealing that. We're remember that. that. That's we'll good. Sound really smart later. Okay, that's noted. Definitely. That's, hey, that's don't, in the don't sleep on oh. Terrace Marshall either. I know he had three touchdowns a week ago, but do not sleep on Terrace Marshall. He was the number one receiver in the country coming out. He had a horrific uh, injury his senior year at Parkway High School, and it was one of those deals where you're like, okay, is he going to be able to play football? Again, he comes back. Last year he played. He flashed a couple times. The Georgia game, he had a big catch. But you talk to Terrace, he wasn't fully healthy. He says I was 80% at best last year. He's fully healthy. Three touchdowns in the first game this year. Jamar Chase, Jefferson deserve the credit they get, but don't forget about Marshall. Great, great football name too, Terrace Marshall. That's just like yeah. it's really unique. I could definitely see. Yeah, you could see him being a star. Very unique. Um, Jacob, can we get a prediction for Saturday? Absolutely. I'm all in the predicting game. Let's go. Um, look, I, I do think the world of what LSU is doing offensively, obviously they're going up a, a big notch in the defense that they're facing, and I think that Texas will probably have a little bit more success offensively than people are thinking because I know the running back depth and I know what they've got going on there, but I do think the world of Ellinger. Um, I, I say uh, LSU 31-21. Does that sound good? Ooh, like that. Covering, they'll like that a lot. Well, let's move on to an important game. Um, besides this week, so I, I'm not going to let you get off the hook here without a little Bam LSU talk. Give me a confidence level as of today. I want I want a Jacob Hester FPI of confidence level as of today of LSU's chances on beating Bama this year. I tell you what, they've gone up. There's no doubt about that. They've gone up since I actually saw. And, and it's so weird. Like I, I'm fortunate, I got to go to most of the fall practices and I've been to the close scrimmages and all that and I saw the offense work and it worked well but until you see in a game you know you never quite know and so seeing it in a game the confidence has gone up and man Bam has gone through some brutal injuries I mean Dylan Moses was set up for such a big time year and you know carries his ACL so we'll see I mean look I've played for Nick Saban I can't imagine being those two freshmen playing for Nick Saban in that defense. It's a very, very complex defense. It's one that you got to spend a ton of time on. Now, they're very talented. I saw one of them play, went to the same school that my boys go to, University High here 
in Baton Rouge and Christian Harris. And he's a stud football player, but more mentally than physically, that's something to pay attention to. So I'll tell you what, I don't know if I can put a percentage on it, but it did go up after seeing LSU play. And I'm excited about that, man. On the road, Tuscaloosa, you want to get over the hurdle? You, you, you want to be able to say what championship caliber? Do it on the road, and that will um, that will definitely spark some new life into the LSU program. Uh, Connor, I'm dead inside now. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> last last question before you uh, before we let you go here. Uh, something I've been wanting to ask you for a while. I don't think we have, um, but. Uh, I've been, you know, obviously you you study these these uh, SEC running backs. You know them very very well. Uh, DeAndre Swift. If you could just take him out of the equation, and I gave you the choice to take one SEC running back, who are you going with? Oh, I like this game, uh, and man, this is this would be something that could probably change week in and week out. Um, I mean, I was I was really really big on Larry Roundtree, and, and then last week. It seems like they only, you know, have a plan for him in the running game, and I don't know if it's because of pass protection issues or what, but, I mean, they're very, very run-heavy when he's in the game, and he wasn't even the lead ball uh, carrier for Missouri in that game. Scotty Phelps, another guy I was pretty high on in the offseason, uh, didn't have a great game in week one. Uh, I think we all sleep on Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, I think Keyshawn Vaughn at Vanderbilt, if he's playing at any other school, especially if you're talking about, you know, the top six SEC teams, then we're talking about him like we're talking about Swift. I mean, the fact that he's a Vanderbilt, I think yeah. he gets slighted a little bit. I, I think that he, in my opinion, I mean, he, he's right there with Swift. And I, there, there, to me, there's not a huge gap. I mean, he's a guy that when you look at his yards per carry against the teams that he's playing with the talent of his offensive line in front of him compared to some of these other guys, I don't think you can look too much further than Keyshawn Vaughn. Preach, preach. Say louder for the people in the back. Jacob, always, always appreciate you coming on. Uh, you'll be making the trip to Austin this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. So, actually, uh, I travel with the uh, the LSU squad and do some social media stuff for them. And so, I'll be in Austin, man. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for the trash talk. I'm actually, uh, you know, scheduled to go on the Longhorn Network and kind of, you know, Ooh. spar with, like, three other Longhorns. Yeah. So, you know, I, I need to get my fighting gloves on because I feel like it's going to be your boy versus three Longhorns. So I better bring my A game. Best of luck. I need luck. you to get a Matthew McConaughey autograph of my failure to launch DVD um, before you go, <laughs> if you don't mind. Oh, you know he'll be there. Um, he back in my recruiting trip that way back in the day when I went to Austin. Uh, he was he was there then, and that was way back in 2002. So uh, he doesn't miss the big games. Yeah, Gosh, that's not surprising at all. Well, if you see him on the sideline, you know, feel free to give him a little bump. Just let him, just let him know you're there. Make him feel your presence, <laughs> as they like to say. Oh, no doubt uh, about it. You know it will. Awesome. Jacob, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and I'm sure we'll do this again real soon. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. All right. Appreciate it, man. Take it easy. And we're back. back. Guys, don't call... I'm I'm hosting this show. God dang it! You always do this, Tyler. I like censored I guess... Chris. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, PG Chris is not my favorite Chris. I'll be honest, but it. I love this job and I love this segment. I'm excited to have you back on here. For those of you that don't know, um, if you don't know, now you know. This is this is winning and boozing. Welcome welcome to the show. Welcome to the party, Tyler Huck. Introduce yourself. I'm Tyler Huck. Let's go. 
Wow, you sound like such yeah. a douche. No, I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm doing poorly right now. Um, as some of you may know uh, that listened to our first Winning and Boozing segment, I'm a Florida State fan. Uh, what that mm-hmm. entails is uh, going 5-7 and seven last year and then uh, blowing an 18-point lead to a team from Idaho in the first week of this season. So, To be fair, the team from Idaho. Well, you know, you could say University of Idaho. I think they lost 79-7 to to Penn State this weekend. The Vandals. So you're right. Boise State probably is the, the team from Idaho. Only um, thing I know about Idaho is that they played in a dome for a long time. Because I would, if I was in a national championship game on NCAA Football 98, I'd make sure I played in that stadium because I don't want any wind or, or weather factors coming in. Hey, quick quiz. Go ahead. Who was on the cover of NCAA Football 1998? Danny Werfel. Mm. Good for you. <laughs> what do we got on? I played on here? a computer, bro. Um, here's what we're gonna do. If you haven't joined us for a show before, uh, this is my favorite thing. Um, I love Connor. I love. Uh, I love doing the SCS podcast. I love everything about my job. This is my first um, passion, I guess you could say. And what what it is when I say passion, I mean we talk about the week's biggest games. And when I say talk, I mean talk S-word. We, we talk blank about teams, fans. Um, it's just a very laid-back, casual thing. We, we break down the gauge. We talk about the cup, like the spread. And most importantly, that's the winning. We talk about the boozing, and we designate a booze of choice for each tailgate. That is my favorite thing. I've been doing this since 2013. Me and Tyler have been doing this podcast for, what, three years now? Absolutely. That's right. So – we are going to do a little bit of a, I wouldn't say watered down, I'd say brief, just a brief segment because this is about to be a two-hour podcast from SDS. But regardless, don't call us Texas. We're back. I'm super pumped. I'm glad you're here, buddy. Are we like Texas back or Miami back or potentially like... We're lethal weapon back, bro. Oh, okay. Sweet. Like back to back. I like that. Let's do yeah, this. That's right. Here we go. So we're going to break down three games. We're going to get some picks. Uh, most of you already know my picks because we've talked about them uh, already on the pod. But we'll get Tyler's take. Um, we'll talk about some booze and uh, and get you primed for this weekend. So, without further ado, let's get into the first game. We've got three games to go over. I feel like we're going to start with BYU-Tennessee. I feel like it's obvious what the pick is here. I, is it, though? Because I don't like – you know, here's the thing. There's rocky top. It's so easy and fun to do the rocky bottom. Or Rocky Power Bottom, depending on how we're feeling. And I, it's is it Rock Bottom yet? I think it could be Rock Bottom after this week. We don't know. Ooh, that's like a little hint. Are you yeah. leaning that way? We'll have to see. I mean, look, I think there's no better symbolism of the Tennessee program right now. And look, I can't talk too much crap right now because Florida State obviously Sucks. is in the trash. But yeah. The, the, the Tennessee band member passed out in the middle of the field. <laughs> And no one around him even caring. Just like, like your Tennessee. fan base, just like their fan base deserted the entire team at halftime. They just left that dude to die. They like they just left him to die. Well, the Tennessee band member is kind of like the Tennessee program. Like everyone's just kind of walking around, like yeah, we don't really care. Everybody else walking around, we don't really care about Tennessee. That did not take long either. It was like because I've been high on Tennessee. I thought like I I, I said all offseason, like the easiest pick in the country for for over under win total is this one. Like under, I, I'm guessing. No, I said over. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Tennessee's gonna win eight games. I mean, you take that to the bank. I'm guessing you counted the last one as a, a guaranteed victory. Uh, without a doubt, yeah. Georgia State is not known for a lot, 
Um, yeah, they just joined the FBS like two years ago. Yeah. The only thing I know about Georgia State is my dad went there, and it's across from Walter's Shoe Store. That's like that's all I know in downtown Atlanta. <laughs> um, a lot of muggings down there. And, and yeah, I guess probably an appropriate uh, metaphor, I guess, for what happened last week. I mean, like, I don't want to hate on Tennessee too much because – it's it's a long season, and I think there's a lot that can be improved. But man, I do you like can't Pruitt. lose. To, I do you like can't Pruitt. lose to more. Oh, well, yeah. Do you like Pruitt though? Because he was at Florida State for a while. Yeah, he went well. That's the year we won the championship. He did a great job. Our defense has not been the same since. So I think he's a good coach. I don't know if he's a great head coach. Well, that's I guess remains to be seen. Um, it looks like a Mr. Potato Head Junior. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen what he'll do long term. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> um, but what what is your pick for this game? Because I, I don't know. I, I've been going back and forth here. Here I have Tennessee to win, and I would be, like I can't. I'm so glad I'm not from the state of Utah because it's like, like if you if you grow up in like an Alabama, it's like you know what's your team? Are you a Tiger? Are you Tied? You imagine growing in Utah, and they're like you a Ute or a Coog, bro? Yeah, um, that was actually a decent I, game last week. That was yeah uh, Utah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna take Tennessee because I can't imagine. I can't imagine anyone losing to a non-Jim McMahon BYU team. So, what's the spread now? Three and a half for Tennessee? Three and a half. Ugh, that's getting tough. Yeah, uh, that hook, man. Look, I, I mean, uh, being a resident fan of a team who's just mentally very weak, we're, um, okay, we're, I'm we're wondering where Tennessee's head's at this week. Um, that being said, I think it's going to be like 100 degrees in the south this weekend. Yeah. BYU. Now, granted, I thought this was the same thing would happen to Boise and Tallahassee, and we saw what happened. Um, but I just think Tennessee will get on the right track. I think this is one of those classic games where you, you, you think, oh, Tennessee's down in the dumps. BYU, decent enough program to come in and take advantage of them being down. But I think Tennessee will rally. I think they'll cover the spread. Yeah. Um, what's, your, what's your booze of choice here for this game? Okay, so I compared this earlier on the podcast to, um, like, because you know how Mormons are always on those bicycles and stuff, just riding huffies like a big shot, rolling like a big shot. Um, I I compared this to Friday because I feel like it's hard to be scared of somebody rolling up on you on a bicycle, but that's how Debo, like, that's how Debo made Craig and Smokey feel. I'm going to say, since, especially since Smokey's involved, I'm, I'm going to roll with this. Um, it's going to be the, the uh, Incredible Hulk. Little hip and hen, hypnotic and Hennessy. Some I don't think I, I don't even know it's still a thing for the culture. I, I would say that I haven't I haven't had one since like two thousand seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's what changed my life. Yeah, it's probably for the better. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, that's the booze of choice. What what do you think? What's your pick? Uh, well, for booze of choice, my grandmama gave me that chain. My grandmama gave me that chain. Um, yeah, like I said, I think Tennessee covers the spread. And I'm, I'll, I'll let you stick with the booze for this game. I, okay. I, uh, I, I'm going to pick the booze for the next game. Okay, so the next game is in Clemson, South Carolina. Now, I gave you a shout-out, not you personally, but Jimbo a shout-out mm. on this game earlier. This is Clemson versus A&M, um, a fan base that uh, has your former head coach. Yep. Which I, I feel like I know you're like this. I feel like we're going to be on opposite ends here because – Shouts Jimbo, great guy. So, yeah, this is going to go south and dark quick. Um <laughs> Because you hate Jimbo, yeah. and I hate Clemson fans now after this offseason. Oh, I hate them too. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did say in the podcast earlier what I'm hoping for in this game is because it's like one of the favorite like fall in your face, pee your pants moments 
in Cultural history was the 2013 game in Death Valley oh, when they had that whole that you're looking live and then yeah. they they We're come around the, the stadium for the yeah. loudest stadium ever <laughs> 51 to 14 <laughs> and just just absolutely got pants uh, on national TV man, so made me tear up I, I yeah um I so I'm I don't think that's gonna happen this game I've I've got Clemson winning but I've got A and M covering the spread um I, I just I don't think Trevor Lawrence looked great in Week One and I, I think that. You know, this is like I don't know if Feinbaum's right about Dabo being a better coach than Jimbo. I can't believe that I've ever had to pick so, like between like who who you got, man, who you trust, Jimbo or Dabo. <laughs> Throw Kirby in there too. Yeah, you go ahead with the pick. Um, look, I, Jimbo usually plays Dabo pretty close. Um, Clemson stuck by last year by two points in College Station. True. Uh, but outside of Jimbo's last year in Tallahassee, which was a disaster, obviously he either won or stayed within ten points. Of a uh, uh, of Clemson in a loss over the past decade in every game, um, Kellen Mond looked really good against Clemson last year. Uh, Travis Etienne last year only had forty four yards rushing against them. I don't see that happening. <laughs> um, so everything to me points to Texas A and M at least covering. Yeah, but you and I know gambling. We know that when there's something there's a reason that lies. Yeah. <laughs> Clemson 16 and 0 in its last 16 home games with an average winning margin of 31 points. A&M 4 and 12 against the spread in its last 16 road games versus teams with a winning record. Let's go. Clemson. Look at you. Also, people forget. People forget this, Chris. Oh god. They're on extra rest. They've got they've had a few extra days to prepare. Oh, that's yeah, because they played Georgia Tech. Down on Trevor Lawrence after one game cuz he threw two picks, but I think they probably they sleptwalked through that game and still put up 52 points. That's that's fair. So, I'm going to take Clemson to cover okay. 17 and a half points here. Here's the thing, though, and I'm going to, I'm going to call you stupid for a second. Cause those are some great stats. Well, that's not, those really were great that's stats. Not nice, but let's, let's hear it. Oh yeah, I mean, but you're stupid because you realize that A and M's also on extra rest. I do. Okay. But, <laughs> but they kicked off 30 minutes after Clemson, <laughs> but it's 30 still minutes is for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, what's the booze of choice? So I'm gonna go with liquid cocaine, and here's why. Have you ever listened to a Jimbo Fisher press conference? Not not willingly, no. Uh, every time he talks and he's like really nervous or he feels like he's being backed into a corner, uh, <laughs> it just sounds like he's done his fair share of the devil's dandruff. That's the best way to put it, too. Backed into a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know he talks 100 miles per hour, and sometimes you can't even understand what he's talking about. So when they look, when they get blown out in this game by over seventeen and a half points, um, he's going to be going crazy about the facilities at A and M and how they just need to be better for them to win a game like that. That's where that, and that's where he gets you guys. That's 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 what we're talking about. You, there's hell hath no fury like <laughs> a, a scorned Florida State. A, fan. a scorned Florida State fan. All right, going into the last game. This has been fun, man. I'm glad we get to do this. Uh, last game, game of the week, honestly. This game, this line has moved seven points in the past two to three weeks. Yeah, crazy, right? And it's probably all because LSU looked really good last week against Georgia Southern. Yep. The offense did not quite did different. not think they were going to cover that spread. I, I was shocked that like, I mean, I've, I've been a believer in in LSU and Orgeron for quite some time. Um, I, I don't. This one's tough because like like is there anyone in the besides A and M fans? No, A and M fans aren't are pulling for them. But is there anyone in the SEC pulling? For the state of Texas, is like anyone outside of the state of Texas pulling for the state of Texas in anything? Um, no. Sounds like Luke Bryan in like Florida Georgia Line for no reason. So Kermit the Frog. 
<laughs> hey y'all. Um, so I, I, this is tough for me. Like I, I have LSU winning. I, I just don't like the fact that like, like I, I know, are you bringing up Herman's against the spread record? Um, not anymore. We'll hit him with it. Hit him with it. Cause I'm not going to say it right. It's in front of you. So say it. No, actually I don't have it right in front of me. But okay. I, so I, he's I'm, 13 and two as an underdog of like, with like either 10 outright wins, right? Or something like it, that. By an average of like, they covered by an average of like 13.1 points, which that's, that's scary to me. I, I think LSU's better. I, I tell you what I'm already tired of. I was tired of it all off season, tired of it last year. Um, and over it again, if I have to hear one more dumbass argument about DBU. Oh, God. Florida State who cares? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, hell, Bama's got more than both of them in the NFL. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just kidding. They're not, they're not very good players that are up there. Regardless, I'm tired of the DBU thing. I do think, though, just knowing how LSU fans and that, that university is and that program, I think that, like, they take that kind of stuff, like, seriously. And like that will be like bulletin board. I'm sure that like that will like factor into the game, which it sounds dumb, yeah. but I, I I think LSU wins outright. What do you think? Well, what they're they, this line has moved a ton. I think it's six and a half point favorites now. Yeah, it's been it's been at six. It got down to five and a half. You know, I hate five and a half point spreads. That's a lot. I do. I do know that. Um, look, I, what do you what do you? Let me ask you this because I haven't obviously been privy to the rest of the podcast yet until I listen to it when it comes. I'm not out. sharing it with you either. But what do you think about um, LSU's offense? Do you think that's I believe. sustainable, or is that just a, a fluke kind of? I think it's it's concerning that the run game wasn't better. Yeah. Um, specifically John Emery. Like I, I'm surprised that Emery didn't put up better numbers. I, listen, to be fair, I don't want LSU fans getting in my mentions and freaking out because I still think they're going to go 11 and one. I didn't get to watch most of that game because there were other games that were on. By the time I got home from the Bama uh, Duke game, like that game was already over in the first quarter. Oh yeah, you're so, loving life, man. Hanging out with the Bachelorette. That was the best ever. Um, I, I, I like LSU's offense. I like Joe Burrow. I love the fact that he has a full year under his belt, um, and this is like his main focus. And I love their their receiving core as well. Yeah, I just um, look LSU. Their their record against um, the spread in September in the last fifteen games four and eleven. Not good. Not great, Bob. Not, um, <laughs> not great, Bob. <laughs> that being said. Um, I think that I'm, you know, look, it's early in the season. Neither yeah. one of these teams have played a, a team that would really test their, you know, their abilities. They're not state. Yeah. So I think I'm a believer in LSU, though. Um, I know the record against the spread in September, and I know Tom Herman's record against the spread as an underdog. It's at home for, for Texas. I don't think that's really like a, a great Texas crowd. You know, Texas doesn't like have a, a great home field advantage. I'm going to go with the Tigers here. It's really far away from this. It's really far, like far away from the field. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Tigers here to cover. Yeah. All right. I like it. By seven. I've got, I've got Texas to cover and we'll close out with the booze of choice. That's going to be a Mezcal mule. And here's why. Cause Moscow mules like Mezcal became mule. like a big the thing again. Mezcal McConaughey. Um, I, like Mezcal, like Moscow Mules became a thing like, what, like four or five years ago? Yeah. Back when copper was on the rise. You're in, you're in finance. Yeah, you get little, it. Little futures trading talk <laughs> for you. <laughs> so you learned so much on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then like Moscow Mules became a big thing, and it was like, oh, this is delicious. And then somebody was like, what about Mezcal? I was like, huh? And like the ugly cousin. Of tequila. I'm going to cough. <clears throat> Can't keep doing the voice. But no, it's like, I don't know. Mezcal is like the dirty, unsafe 
cousin of tequila. It's like, it's smoky. It's dangerous. It's delicious. It's not delicious. It's not good at all. It stings the nostrils. I don't like it, but people are always trying to tell me about it. Just like people are always trying to tell me that Texas is back. Texas is not back. Okay, Sam Ellinger, right. you poor man, Tim's Tebow, Tim Tebow, you go circumcise someone, then you could be Tim Tebow, all right? Tim's Tebow, y'all. Tim's Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is, that's my pick. That's the booze of choice for this game in Austin. I wish we were there so we could eat some tacos. You've been to Austin, so I know you like it. Yeah, but it's great. regardless, that was our first installment of Winning and Boozing. We're going to do this a lot more throughout the year. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Tyler Huck, for being on. Where can we find you online, on the lines? Hey, look, if I've made fun of your fan base or you just want to roast me every time Florida State loses this year, which I think yep. will probably be six to seven times again, yeah, uh, you can find me at Tyler Hook on Twitter. Would love to interact with you. Um, I've already done it with some of you after our first, my first <laughs> uh, rousing appearance on the SDS podcast. So you and Connor do a great job, man. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, hey, do you have any sleeper picks outside of the SEC gambling-wise this week? Oh, yeah. You want me to tell you? Uh, South got- Florida plus five and Ooh. a half because you know I love that five-point spread. That's Ooh. Down the street from me from against Georgia Tech. Um, that's pretty much outside the SEC. That's all I have right now. Syracuse plus two. Feel it. Ooh, who are they playing? Maryland. That is, yeah, I'll take that all day. Love that. I don't understand. Yeah, People I like are that a big lot. on the Terrapins after a 79-0 win against Howard. Come on. Yeah. Jawan's team. Come on, Jawan's team. <laughs> all right, Let's we got to go. go because I, I tell you what, the other one I have is a lock, and I've, I've said this earlier, the two-lane Auburn under 52. Ooh. Yeah, I took the up on it, bro. To that game, though. But hey, look, it's been real, Chris. Look forward to it. Yeah, man. I don't know what that means, but we'll talk to you later. Peace. Marler, winning and boozing is back. Texas Pete never goes anywhere. It's always back. Oh, it's always back. It's always back. I tell you what, man. This is I, I I say this all the time, and I'm just so damn happy. It's just football's back. I get an excuse to put Texas Pete on everything, which I do in the off season anyway. I shouldn't, you know, give that secret away necessarily. But y'all know me. Still the same old Pete. Been low key. Oh no. We're not. You, you know what? Don't I don't do have a full rap prepared. Maybe How next week we'll do the try and parody. Forgot about Dre. Maybe we next week do we'll that. do the full forgot about Dre Texas Pete remix. But I'll tell you one thing: I don't forget about ever Connor, and that is. Texas Pete, especially on a fall Saturday, it is my favorite thing in the world, besides you, if you're listening, Bay. Regardless, love me some Texas Pete. Uh, we had a, an outstanding time in Orlando shooting uh, some videos and commercials for some whole new, some whole new recipes, man. We got some drinks. We got a, a basil kicking lemonade. It's not alcoholic. At least it was down there. The one I'm going to make this Saturday, going to have some alcohol in it. Make sure you're going to texaspeat.com slash tailgate for more recipes. Upload your pictures of what you – listen, Tommy O'Rourke, he, he was awesome, and, and Santorini and all these different places with this Texas Pete. I know a lot of you are out there enjoying some Texas Pete, whether it's with your eggs, whether it's with your fried chicken, or if it's with your fried chicken leftovers and some potato salad like I always go to, Connor. Don't look at me like that. It's delicious. <laughs> um, send us some pictures. Send us some pictures of your – favorite tailgating days with texas pete in it and under the hashtag sauce like you mean it remember this season what are we going to do connor there's no losses just sauces and we're going to sauce like you mean it so texaspeatecom slash tailgate hit us up you didn't give me a chance to answer i was going to answer i was going to say sauce like you mean it but then you just stole my thunder it's my ad read so it's like it's whatever, dude. All right, it's your, it's your section two. <laughs> fourth and wrong. Take it away. All right, so fourth and wrong. Fourth and wrong. You know I would never interrupt your ad, Reed Connor, or anything you have to say. Mm-mm. No, that never happens. Thanks a lot, ADD. 
uh, and this crippling need for attention. My bad, Connor. Here we go. I want to give a quick shout out to our Facebook group. This has been a pretty big, pretty big week for us on social media. We gained like, I don't know, a thousand followers on Twitter for some reason. Jeez. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, I'm slowly but surely not catching up to you on Twitter, but that's fine. Uh, our, our SDS page is doing well. The the Instagram page. Remember a couple weeks ago, we did we had like 125,000. We're up to 130. But on yeah, I know. It's like we're adding followers. Like I'm adding weight this off or this season. So that's you know that's something. Um, but I do want to give a quick shout out to our Facebook uh, SDS podcast group, which you guys are always the best. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, love the game threads. Love the memes. All that good stuff. Especially for cultural uncensored, it's been it's been really helpful. You guys are hilarious. But a specific shout out to, I believe his name is Patrick Brown the third. No, Ooh, he's, he's third. not that fancy. His name's Pat Brown. Um, no. He's one of my favorite people. He's a huge Georgia fan. Now I didn't realize this was even him. I thought he had blocked me a long time ago because he's threatened to do so uh, w- with good reason several times. Um, if this this isn't it, it might mean too much, but it could be Connor because this man is a is a legend for the Georgia Twitter Twitterverse. Had about like five or six thousand followers. Notice the other day he only had about seven hundred. His account was shut oh. down oh. because a group. I mean, I wouldn't say a group. I'd say a mass. Of Florida fans, all together at once, reported him to Twitter and got his account shut down. Wow. <laughs> might, might mean too much. But he was also the thousandth member, the one thousandth member of the SDS podcast Facebook group. So we appreciate it, Pat. Uh, you're one of my favorite people on Twitter uh, until the SC Championship game. Reach out to us, and we'll make sure we get you a little goodie bag um, with some SCS stuff and some of my old, I don't know, personal belongings that I'll throw in there as well. Uh, let's get into fourth and wrong. We have five questions because I wanted you to choose between one of these at the very end, but I guess we just won't do that. No, let's get five. Okay, let's here get we go. five. Here we go. Your first question from Nick Halabi. Hair Bear. What's your favorite shampoo? I like the Dove Men uh, Fresh and Clean. I actually get, I have a travel size bottle. Uh, yeah, two in one. Okay. I'm a two in one guy. Definitely got to have the conditioner yeah. with the shampoo. I don't need to do both. Like, it just gets too many yeah. bottles and yeah. stuff. I actually buy the little travel size bottle of it too that I take with me when I make trips like go yeah. to Atlanta for week one of college football season. And I just, it's nice because then I just put it in my travel size thing yeah. and I don't have to worry about mixing shampoos. I get the same one every time. That's a smart move. Uh, I'm a L'Oreal for kids, strawberry or watermelon man. Oh. Yeah. Fresh. It smells fantastic. There's no tears, um, which is where my favorite go to spot is to cry is the shower. So um, I will say. I, what Gosh, I, that got dark. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't mind a two in one. I, I don't mind a two in one at all. It's efficient. It's great. Um, you don't need to condition your hair consistently. I will say that. That's something I've, I've researched. But you know what I? What I like. I mean, you're obviously married, so you, you get this as well. I, I like being as um, what's the word uh, minimalist as possible in the shower because. Okay. Uh, I I think it's gross when you have like an old spice like oh, there's a nine in one shampoo conditioner body wash and all it's like that's toothbrush it's, it's or just, toothpaste yeah, that's disgusting yeah. um, guys look have, let's have a little bit more <laughs> fresh and clean feeling than that but um, I, I I always like like Allie she doesn't have a bunch of of stuff but I always feel like Godzilla when I'm like in like a, my my fiance's shower room because it's like I'm just bumping into all these different bottles and stuff so get yourself a two in one get yourself a L'Oreal for kids. Don't share a loofah. That's something I had to learn the hard way. Second question. I'm being medically retired from the Coast Guard after 12 years. All I have is a bachelor's degree in IT. Will I be okay? That's from Kevin Thompson. 
All you need is a good work ethic and a can-do attitude, and you're going to be just fine, Kevin Thompson. Getting degrees and all that, like, all right, whatever, big deal. 12 years in the Coast Guard, you're going to be able to do anything. That Easy question. It was a easy good run. Question. You did your best, but now life is over, Kevin. Here's what you need to know. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah, you're going to be fine. First off, thanks for your service. Uh, I think that's yeah, what we say you. for the Coast Guard as well. It's You have a bachelor's degree in IT. Dude, I have a bachelor's degree in liberal studies. You're going to be fine. <laughs> you're going to be more than fine. I wouldn't worry about it. I, I hope that um, everything is fine with the medical issue. We were pulling for you. But, uh, yeah, man, I tell you what, my, my best advice, like I say here all the time, get involved in a dead-end, soul-sucking uh, either sales job or bartending job for eight to ten years, and then your dreams come true after that. Trust me. You'll be fine. That's how it always yeah. works. Um, that's how it always works. Your third third question from John Eric Diekman. I don't I don't know. I'm not going to chance it on saying a different pronunciation. Um, yeah, Diekman. So, favorite hole-in-the-wall restaurants from all of your travels? The very first college football road trip that I took to cover to cover a game was back when I was at my alma mater, Indiana oh, University. God. Here we go, first, guys. Their first road game was south of the Mason-Dixon, though. They were playing at Western Kentucky. I stopped at Moonlight Barbecue. Ooh. which is a staple in Kentucky, yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. I saved the napkin there forever like, just because it was so, so good. I was, I was a loser. Was How a nice gross is that napkin, steak. Connor? Uh, pretty gross. Yeah. It was probably <laughs> favorite, <but laughs> Steal a fork next time, you weirdo. Um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable, though. That, and I don't know if that really counts as like a hole in the wall, but when I think yeah. of like local places, I think of stuffing my face with barbecue until yeah. I basically can't walk. Um, so mine is in Columbia, because, I mean, like, I mean, hole in the wall. Like, I don't know if we really do. Like, I mean, like, now listen, those trips to Mississippi, those gas station chicken tenders, that blank was off the chain. That was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's between Chevron chicken tenders in, in Mississippi or there's a place that's off B Avenue in Columbia, South Carolina. It's right, It was right down the street from where we used to live called Compton's, Compton's Kitchen. It is awesome. Um, they have, like, li- they have something called liver pudding. Oh, that does not sound no. at all. And I remember my, my my one of my best friends, George, he took he brought his girlfriend to meet us one time. Her name was Rhett. So you know she was like southern as could be. And she got oh, yeah. liver pudding and we're like, well, what's that? Because you can go sit at another table. And she was like, it's a southern delicacy. I'm like, girl, you can't spell delicacy. Don't even start with me right now. Um, anyway, your fourth bad. question from Jay Woody. What can you pick? Wait, you can pick what your view of. I'm not reading well. Hold on. You can pick what your view on your dream home is. You pick the ocean, mountains, lake, a huge city, or what? Give me mountains. I'll take I'll take mountains because, sick brag, I've experienced a lot of those. And I think you want if you're looking if you're talking about a dream home, you want the place where you're going to feel most at peace. Yeah. You're like, all right, this is this is how I, I can look out the window and just feel calm and relaxed. Lake is good. Lake is good. Don't get me wrong. Very, very solid. Even looking out at like the sea or an ocean, cool. But it gives me a little bit of anxiety thinking about like big bodies of water that I'm right next yeah. to. I guess a lake is different. Lake is different. But mountains, it just doesn't get more scenic than that. Like we had, we stayed at the Airbnb that we stayed at when we were at the Grand Canyon uh, a few a few months ago, earlier in the summer. And we could step outside, and there were just these mountains. And I made the Uncle Rico joke about every day. I can throw this football yeah. on those mountains. Um, but just like being able to step outside and look at mountains just kind of puts you at ease. And you're like, I feel far away from civilization. I feel like I can just kind of 
wind yeah. down and relax. That's what I want in my dream home. That's fair. If you could combine them too, like Lake Tahoe, some stuff out west, Ooh, man. Good. Like there's like yeah. one of my buddy I used to work with at Houston's. He posted something from like somewhere in Canada, and of course Allie knew exactly. She's like, oh yeah, it's Lake Wanapopic or whatever it was from the office. It was like that was a bad Allie imitation. Yeah, she doesn't talk like that at all. She's very smart. Um, but like she she knew exactly where it was. But it's like like the water is like like aqua blue. Like it is. It it's it looks it looks made up. It looks ridiculous. Um, I would say beach, man. I, like somewhere, like when I used to like work down in the Bahamas and stuff in college, that was the best. That's just like there's something about waking up and 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 just knowing that you have to drink bottled water because the water tastes so bad, but the view mm-hmm. is so good. I just I I love I love being able to wake up on that. And like like Allie when she lived in Santa Monica, man, you guys talk about pretty. It's like 67 degrees. Like I don't want to go in the water because it's too cold, but yeah. it looks incredible. And your last That's not one, fair. You're, yeah, it's not. I don't know why she moved here, but don't tell her. Um, anyway, you get a hundred dollar bar tab on the line, and you get to pick the bar bet. What skill or knowledge do you go to that you guarantee you can win? Darts, knowledge of friends trivia, etc. Jay Woody. This is tough because I I feel very good when it's any of those like accuracy, precision games, yeah, darts, ski ball, bowling, billiards, whatever it is. But people. People can hustle me probably a little yeah. bit easier than I'd be able to hustle them. So I wouldn't put my $100 on just that necessarily. Right. I'd probably do something like sports trivia. And mm-hmm. then if we want to get even more specific, I do like 90s NBA trivia. Oh, because when I was a kid, all I did was collect basketball cards. That's how I learned how to yeah. read. I kid you not. And so if you, you like so read. many things, true story, reading the backs of NBA cards <laughs> and being able to read stats and stuff and read their bios. I have so many things from those basketball cards yeah. that are still burned into my brain that I, I can't forget them if I wanted to. Right. That you would tell me like, oh, like, you know, Pooh Richardson played for the Clippers from 1991 to 1995 or something like that. And I'd be like, wait, what? Like, Clippers starting point guard from 1991? Yeah, yeah okay, it was Pooh Richardson. Uh, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, that might have been a good one. All right, there we go. Burp, Sounds like burp, you're not going to win this trivia. bet here, Connor. Um, no, I, I would I would say like college football history would probably be good for me. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't want to brag here, guys. We're talking about a $100 bar tab trivia. I mean, yeah, I won a game show last year. Um, sick brag. Sick brag. Um, no, I don't know. Like, darts I'm not good at. Um, skee-ball, you're still getting I can't. I would have said skee-ball. I would have said skee-ball until you came into my life and ruined it. Um, I, know, I would say bar trivia. I'm really good at bar trivia. As long as it's not like nerd trivia. Like I'm not, I don't mean that like in drug trivia, but like I've never seen Star Wars. I don't really care to. I don't know a lot of that kind of stuff. But bar trivia, office trivia, I think I'd be really good at. Oh, um, office trivia would be a good one for us. Yeah. So I think, and, like, I hosted trivia for years. So I, I don't like, I, I, yeah, I, I think I would be pretty good at that. That's what I, that's, I joke around with it, but that's what my whole degree's in. I mean, like, bar trivia. A, like yeah. a degree in, in liberal studies. Like, yeah, I know a lot about nothing that's important. So there you go. <laughs> You're going to be just fine coming to So Don't worry <laughs> about that that bachelor's degree in IT. You're going to be fine, man. All right. It might mean too much. There were there were a lot to pick from this week. I'll actually have um, my It Might Mean Too Much column that runs every Friday uh, during the season and then sometimes during the offseason, a lot of times during the offseason. I basically went through and I picked the seven best troll jobs of post-week one because yeah. there were some really good ones. The, t- the two favorites that I had, though, Georgia State's troll job of Tennessee where they had the ad where they were selling Labor Day ticket packages and the four ticket pack was priced at 38.30, which of course was the final score of that game over the weekend. And then in the ad, they also had hashtag upset with U and T in the word upset. Incredible. Capitalized and in 
Tennessee Orange Letters. That is a masterful troll job, and one that you need to be able to capitalize on. Your window is right now. They're like, yeah. As sports fans, we're going to forget. We're, I'm going to get Georgia State and Georgia Southern confused in like two I weeks. I don't know how. Right now is your chance to tell me you are Georgia State. You should buy some tickets to go see us play. And for That's the, the only price of it is ridiculous. That. That's pretty affordable. That's 38 very, very 30 For family, families can afford that. That's a good is idea. Is it a cool location, too? Because it's, it's, it's literally old Turner Field. Um... Yeah, no, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty funny. I, my favorite one, though, is I saw this on Georgia Followers. It's one of my favorite um, accounts. It's a buddy of mine that runs it. And it's, it's like, uh, it, it was somebody driving by with these. Have you, have you seen these, like, vans that, that, like, all the sides of the van and the back of the van are just, like, like a, not a TV, but it's just, like, a, a, a screen? Yeah, I, I got that right in here, remember? Oh. We, yeah, it's, this is this is right after that, if you were looking at Well, go at ahead, that, Connor. <laughs> Mar- Marler, jeez, take still my thunder. You led right into it. That's perfect. All right, we're on the same Sweet page. Sweet setup, ice man. Yeah, there we go. So this truck that you're talking about with these screens on basically all sides of it, this was driving around Atlanta, and it had it had the Georgia, Georgia State-Tennessee game showing on replay. It, it essentially looks like a moving truck. If you haven't seen the tweet yet, I'm, it, it's all over social media by now. I have a lot of questions. One, how much does it cost to be able to do that? To be able to rent yeah. that space to say, I want to be able to troll. I want to be able to troll Tennessee. And, and, and it probably what this, my first thought was, okay, that's definitely a Georgia fan doing that, just having a little bit of fun. But right. Georgia State being in Atlanta could have just been like, you know, some Georgia State alum that's shelling out some big bucks to be able to it's do that. A couple that. hundred bucks tops. Or Georgia State probably could have just did it as a recruiting pitch. Very, very smart yeah. if that's what they were doing. Very, very smart. Um, the logistics of that. Imagine watching that game to your, and thinking to yourself, "That's going up on that truck with all the TV right. inside of it." I need to get whatever footage of that game, this game possible. Means so to make much sure that this runs. program for us to be able to, to just take a break from driving a truck with all the strip club promos and, and throwing up something from my alma mater. Is this truck strictly used for trolling? Because strip clubs. Oh, strictly for oh yeah. oh okay. It's all I mean. My little naive ears. Yeah, did not <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, it's not what you think it is. It's uh okay. It, it'll right, drive but, up and down these bright lights. We see it all the time here in like Midtown. It's like you can advertise here, and then like you'll see it come back around, and there's just a just someone named Ebony on the side with just like like with Drake blaring. It's like oh yeah, I could advertise mm-hmm. there, or I could just go give you all my money. I don't know. So chances are somebody paid a, a strip club owner to be able to yeah. yeah to do that okay well do you remember the the hummer a couple years ago that was playing the sec championship that was kind of what actually got it might mean too much going right and off the ground i think that was the first time that from the sds account that was ever tweeted i want to say that it might mean too much marler emotional right now i I think (laughs) did were you the one who tweeted that uh probably i mean i just i just remember that happening and it it was like like he was in traffic like behind our apartment and yes, it's like and he exactly. was everywhere it was like it was absolutely everywhere yeah usually that's like reserved for like Magic City Magic City Mondays mm-hmm. yeah but no that's cool I mean that's it was, it was masterful awesome. yeah and I also never thought that we'd have a strip club comment segue into you bringing up a Hummer and it just you being that guy so that was I mean this is a PG podcast Connor. 
I didn't mean to go there. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to. Um, we're gonna have a lot of stuff, but we're both back in our respective homes. Well, I guess just me back in my respective home. You are still in Atlanta, yes. but we're gonna have a lot of stuff. We're gonna be able to, you know, it's different when you're like able to just be at home in front of your TV throughout an entire day, as opposed yep. to like, you know, we're, we're going to the game, we're, we're covering at the game, it, you know, a lot of the surroundings and stuff just kind of overwhelm some of the coverage. So this will be more of a typical Saturday for us. We are planning on having a Sunday pod that will either, I think it's gonna go up either late, late Sunday night, early Monday morning, whatever the case, we'll be recording on Sunday after all the week two action concludes. If you haven't yet, you should join our Facebook group yeah. because maybe on a random Friday night at halftime when I'm sitting there watching Jonathan Taylor run all over USF, I'm going to say, hey, ask me anything. And then we're going to get like 120 comments on it. Yeah. And I'm going to have to answer a lot of questions. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions through our Facebook group for that. That was a lot of fun. I realize I'm not as active as you are on the Facebook community. And I will do more. I will make more of an effort to, to do the ask me anything type stuff. Uh, had a lot of fun with that. Facebook Live. The plan is still Mondays. Be Monday. Yeah, Mondays. Mondays. Looking forward to it. Follow us on all forms of social media at the SDS, at the SDS Pod at Fern Funquist at CJ O'Gara Marler Coach O. It was great seeing you. Really excited for you. We coming. What do we have to remember? We coming. We coming, Texas. We messing with Texas. It might mean too much. Talk to you guys on Sunday.